the South, a place where you feel right at home, where a slow Southern drawl can soothe even the weariest of souls. And heat is more than just a flavor. We've weathered many storms, and there's still more to come. That Southern charm keeps me going. My flood insurance helps me stay. The weather's uncertain, but I'm sure that I'm sticking around. Protect your property with flood insurance. Visit floodsmart.gov. Let's start the radio side so we can let Bill WD-40 into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. Okay, we got 30 seconds. Who else can we add in here? Matthew Goodcub, Matt Geek, Susie B. Good to see you all. And Simon, thanks for coming on in. And who else do we have here? Lacey Blue, good to have you here. And let's see, who else? Quickly here, let's say hello to Ange. Thank you for joining us. A.A. Ron Baca, Cat the Kit, nice to see you. Randy Spurl, Nina Williams, thank you for coming in. Hi, Skip to my Lou. And who's going to be the last one? Silent Listen and Michael C. Do me a favor, everybody. Throw those horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Wow, do we have a great show for you tonight as I come back off vacation wearing a new chapeau as I am very happy to be back on the air with all of you. And I'm so excited to have tonight's guest, Martin Willis from Podcast UFO, will join us momentarily. Then in hour number three, we got a strange story from Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. And right after that, little Timmy Senor returns with the UFO report. The subject of UFOs has fascinated Martin Willis since his youth, yet he was on the fence about the subject. He experienced a personal sighting in 2007 that solidified that unidentified flying objects really do exist. Since this time, Martin has paid attention to what others say about the phenomena with some skepticism, yet an open mind. Pondering what UFOs may actually be pushed his interest to another level. Martin thinks we may never find out what UFOs or UAP are, but it's still the most exciting puzzle piece in humanity. His podcast, once again, if you ever want to download it, I highly suggest you do, is Podcast UFO. Martin Willis, thank you so much for staying up late and spending it with us here on Spaced Out Radio. How are you? 
I'm doing just fine, and it's my pleasure. Thank you. Martin, you were one of the people, and I have no problem admitting this publicly, that I, I, I've admired for a long time in this field. You were somebody who takes a story, you analyze it, you, you scrutinize it, but you're never too critical of it. When you started your podcast, UFO, and, and you've gained tens of thousands of listeners over the years, define what you wanted to de- to describe when it came to this story. When I first started this, um, it was just out of curiosity because, um, you know, I had my own sighting basically uh, back in 2007 and it wasn't anything, you know, I've heard so many sightings that are so much more dramatic than what I had, but still um, I just was curious to find out what was going on. And when I started to look into it, uh, you know, I had more questions as I went along and I still feel the it's the same way, you know, I've been at it for uh, my shows coming up on 12 years now in a couple of months. And, uh, you know, I still have uh, questions about I, I don't have any answers is what I'm saying. Maybe more questions. We all have questions regarding this. But if you don't mind, can you take me back to 2007? What did you see? Well, um, I was in I was in a hot tub and I was. I was in Monterey. I was actually in, I'm sorry, Carmel Valley right by Monterey. And I was sitting in hot tub and I wasn't drinking. That's one of the first things people ask me if I was drinking. And uh, I was in there alone and I had the bubbles off. You know, I was just sitting in the nice warm hot tub and enjoying the the beautiful night. It was, it was uh, twilight, you know, so there wasn't, there wasn't any like uh, stars or anything out yet. And something caught my eye, flew over, and it just caught my eye. And, and I saw this perfectly shaped round disc. It went over me, and it had a blue glow around it. Oh, wow. No lights or anything. Just like a light, uh, like a cold blue, uh, cool blue, I'm sorry, uh, glow all around it. And then it just moved over, and then it just stopped. And then it headed toward Monterey. And, you know, I'm watching this and I can't at first I couldn't imagine what it was I was seeing. You know, it just didn't fit. Um, And then uh, I never was afraid or anything like that. But the thing that freaked me out the most was that there was absolutely no sound. And I couldn't understand how it could be moving without any sound. I thought I'd hear something. So I jumped out of the hot tub and I went to the guest house where I was staying on, on a ranch down there. And they had a phone on the wall, and I dialed 911, and I said, I'm sorry, this isn't an emergency, but, you know, I just had this UFO go over my head, and it's heading toward Monterey. Is anyone else talking about this or calling? And then I was treated with sarcasm, and, uh, you know, I mean, I waited for about 20 minutes on the line, and I finally just hung up. I didn't understand that there was online reporting centers or any. It didn't occur to me that there was something like MUFON or a place you could actually report something. So I've looked back and, you know, in archives and I did because I couldn't remember what time of year it was. You know, the seasons are so similar there. And uh, I think it might have been October. There was a sighting in October that um, is kind of unclear what the object was, but it, it sounded like it went in the right type of path, but I never reported it. 
you know, but I do encourage people to report theirs. And uh, I understand you can report them, but I, if I had a more of a, a timeline, exactly what time of year that was, or, you know, I, I, and I kept track of it, but I didn't. I went into work uh, the following Monday and I felt like I had to tell someone. So I ended up telling uh, one person and it was someone that I was mentoring. I'm in the uh, fine arts and auction, you know, uh, antique auctions, things like that. So I was mentoring a girl how to, you know, a, a catalog sterling silver, you know, with all the marks and things from all the countries and, and uh, the essay marks and all that. So I was training her and she was, uh, you know, she was very quiet about things. She wasn't someone to blab or anything like that. So I said, I got to tell you the story. So I told her the story and uh, I said, you know, please don't tell anyone here. Just, just don't. And she said, Oh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> it was like an hour later, someone came up and started teasing me, you know, about it. So like right away, I felt like the ridicule and like to be ashamed of it. Like it didn't happen, you know, that type of thing. Uh, things have changed since then, but that's, that's kind of the, the sighting in a nutshell. Uh, but it did encourage me to look into it more, you know, it took a while, uh, you know, years passed before I really started looking into it, but I was, I knew that something was there that I couldn't explain. And that was uh, good enough for me to start looking into it. For you, it's become a passion. It's become a, a unique blend of trying to understand what is going on. And you have, you know, put your name and your face out on the line, trying to bring some sort of revelation into what is happening. I mean, going back to 2007 and looking forward to where you are now, what has been maybe a a couple of the biggest storylines or biggest mysteries you've learned about this phenomena? Well, um, the storylines... I would say there, you know, it wasn't too long before I started hearing, you know, different theories on what, you know, what these things were, that type of thing. So as far as the storylines go, I I realized that, you know, there was always a sense of ridicule about this. And, you know, maybe I'm going off a track a little bit, but I was very uh, scared to talk about this part of my life in situations like, when it involved my job going into houses, you know, looking at antiques and art and stuff like that, um, I would never dare to bring up anything like that in that situation. And I think that's shifted. So uh, I guess the storylines that have changed and made it more acceptable are, you know, uh, everyone talks about the New York Times article, which was December 16th, 2017, I believe. Uh, when that came out, but prior to that, uh, in that in uh, that same year in October, I had known everything that was in that article because uh, Tom DeLong held like this uh, like live stream that you could join, and I watched the whole thing, and I'm thinking, wow, that is really interesting. All you know, the Pentagon is involved, and and then like the next day, there was no news at all. No one was talking about it. Like nothing happened. Um, and until they, the New York Times, you know, put that out in front of everybody, uh, that whole story was was not going anywhere. So uh, I think that's what's changed the most after that article came out. A lot of people decided there may be something to this. 
and they're taking it a lot more seriously than they ever did in all the years that I've been doing this. Do you find that the more and more you learn about this topic and especially seeing how the community has evolved that the more and more you're like, should I be doing this? Is this something I want to be involved with? Yeah, there was, there was a, there was, has been a time or two that I've, uh, you know, there was some infighting that was driving me crazy. And that goes on today. It's, it goes, you know, with in ufology, you know, they're, they're their own worst enemy some, sometimes. But uh, so there was some infighting uh, between two people that I was pretty close to. And I got just discouraged in, in the way it was going and, and felt like there was a time that I wanted to, you know, stop, stop doing this. And, and, but I, pers- I decided to persist and I'm glad I did. It's been, it has been, you mentioned the word passion. It has been a passion of mine and I'm semi-retired these days. So now I'm, I can, you know, travel a bit and I've been going to a lot of different places uh, you know, Washington, D.C., during the her- hearing, I was right there in the room. Um, you know, there was also, I just came back from Cincinnati last weekend and the MUFON Symposium out there. And so there are different places that I like to go uh, and meet up with fans. And, you know, in Washington, D.C., I couldn't believe how many people, you know, knew of my show. That was pretty exciting. Oh, well, uh, it, that doesn't that last point does not surprise me. Does not surprise me uh, whatsoever. You love this topic, though. You, you, I do. Is it yeah. safe to say, over the years that you've been doing this, no matter the politics or everything, you love this topic? Why do you love it? It's such. I think it's the most important thing that we as humans can solve. Um, is there life out there? Is it you know? Is it actually visiting us here? You know, those are. So far, we can't answer that definitively. And I think it's, you know, the most important thing that we would find out uh, in our history. One of the most important things, I guess, that I can think of uh, is, you know, there is intelligent life out there. It's interacting with us. I, I do believe that I don't I still don't know where it's from, but there's definitely interaction with something. From something. Out of all the stories you have heard over the years, whether it's from government officials like Lou Elizondo or whether it's from experiencers alike, what does Martin Willis want to know? What is what is the big million dollar question that you have that you would like to to have solved before you sign off the air for the final time? Uh, just in general, you know, this may be kind of a lame answer, but. In general, I want to know what it is. You know, I want to know what it is that is powering these things that that are visiting us. Maybe it's a bunch of different things, but I still would like to know what it is. I would love to know what that is. And it's funny, I was watching a 1950s uh, video clip of this guy, and he was wearing a hat similar to yours, by the way, but in the the 1950s, and he said... uh, Along the lines, I just hope I live long enough to find out what this is. <laughs> and now I feel here we are, you know, 2023, and I'm feeling that now. So obviously, he never got to see that. 
See, I thought it would be, and maybe I'm just overstepping here, I thought it would be like a major experience, like a landing or seeing aliens in your bedroom or, or something along those lines. Well, I think, you know, the old uh, landing on the White House, White House lawn, you know, you always hear about that. I don't think that's something like that will ever happen. Um, you know, I do think a mass sighting would actually make a difference if it happened now compared to happening before. You know, we have people like David Grush that came out and claimed, you know, it was an extraordinary claim that there was, you know, crash retrieval, um, you know, crafts uh, that the government has in, in different ways. So, I mean, I think if more firsthand witnesses or if firsthand witnesses came forward, I think that would be a, a major break and the government would have a really hard time hiding from that, you know, or putting that away. And I do think that there is a certain amount of cover up. I don't know if the cover up is because of uh, national security or they just can't tell us, you know, what it is themselves. You know, which I do, I do believe that they probably don't know much more than we do, but I do believe some part of the government knows a little bit more than we do. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And, and, you know, coming from a Canadian side, knowing now what I've learned about what the Canadian government and all of the different alphabet agencies know about this subject and the reports that they have kept, there's definitely something out there that the public really doesn't have any sort of of real true understanding that goes along and and you know with your audience that you have for podcast ufo which anybody can download at any major podcast outlet you know what does your audience want i mean wh what do they expect well i get a lot of feedback and um i just feel like they like the interview style that i have i mean i the people obviously that don't aren't going to listen, but uh, we were, t you were, we were talking numbers before the show and I have similar type of numbers when it comes to my audio downloads, which is, you know, astounding to me. Um, and, but I think that people like the way that, you know, you mentioned something about, I can be sort of a skeptic, you know, I have, uh, un unfortunately I've, you know, I've interrupted two guests that I've had over the years and, to stop the show that they were on because it was, I, I just couldn't buy what they were saying, you know, and I just, I just, after a while it was just enough and I just had to stop the show. I have done that a couple of times and that's, that wasn't easy to do, but it, I felt like it was right. And a lot of people liked the fact that I did that. So, and I'm not out to, you know, I mean, the worst, the worst thing you could do is kick guests off because then you pretty soon you wouldn't have anyone, to come on that the word would get around you know so i would only do it if i really felt strongly about it oh i hear you there what's the most fun you have with your show i think it's uh i would say that it's uh, the interaction and i see you have a lot of that going on and congratulations you have a lot of very active people that was great the way you uh said hi to everyone in chat that's 
I might even steal that idea. Well, please do. I stole it. <laughs> I stole it from from someone. And yeah. uh, you know, so for our radio audience, what Martin's talking about is uh, before we start the broadcast, we're, we're live on YouTube for a few minutes, and I say hello to everybody who's entered the chat room. And if I can't say it verbally, once the chat they enter the chat room while the show's going on, I'm typing like anything to say hello to. Uh, people especially the new people who are entertaining and the people who are here every night yeah steal it away martin it it works well man it it truly does it's great it's great yeah we got four minutes to go before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour from podcast ufo martin willis is with us martin you have been defined as one of the real logical voices in ufology and this is and this is among your peers because when I told people that I was getting you on the show, I had numerous people reaching out, you know, congratulating me on on being able to get you on as a guest because, uh, you know, we you are that highly respected, and I don't say that to no, to kiss your butt on on the air live here or anything like that. But what what have you done in your mind to to give yourself that trusted persona? that is very hard considering there are you know hundreds if not thousands of ufo podcasts out there right and it's really has right it's grown up to the thousands by now you know you're right uh i would say in the last few years i'm not to get off topic here but the the podcasts have grown like crazy in youtube channels when it comes to this topic and the reason is there's a need for it out there people are are uh interested now you're gonna have to re-guide me to the your question as i went off track well just just the idea that you know you've gained quite a a confident reputation thank you yeah well you know i feel like a lot of times i use uh the i don't know if i want to say skill or whatever you want to call it but as an an appraiser's eye you know i'm an appraiser and i scrutinize uh, I scrutinize whatever it is, if, whether it's artwork, whether it's fake artwork, uh, which there is a lot of. Uh, they're guilty till proven innocent. When it comes to the big names, you really have to do your your homework and you have to really do. A lot of times it's gut feeling. So I think people respect that because there are parts of that that I will use as I'm talking about certain with so tick two for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis you could show off your skin again and you know what that means beach day as a tick two inhibitor so tick two is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis ask your dermatologist about so tick two today and learn more at so clearly that's so clearly so tick two decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to so tick two. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. So tick two can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. 
AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. Things and scrutinizing uh, even certain claims and things like that. So I think uh, I think that's appreciated a bit. Do you ever get frustrated with the show? Like, where else can I take this topic? We've talked experiencers. We've talked sightings. Everything seems to be governmental at this time. Do you ever just get frustrated and just say, look, this subject has gone way too far for my liking? Um, You know, I have felt a little bit like that, but, you know, it depends on I'm always looking for interesting guests. You know, and so that that can make or break a show and, and reinvigor. Um, but there, uh, as far as other topics, I have what I started, and I'll I bring it on now and then, and I call it the Everything Else Show. So because I do focus on you know the topic of UAP, UFO, uh, you know, occasionally experiencers, think, abductions, things like that, but. Uh, I do like to talk about other things. So the everything else show, I've had some very interesting people on that uh, over the years. Uh, an FBI whistleblower that went to prison for blowing the whistle on uh, torture. Um, he's the only one that ever went to prison for it. Uh, he was on, I had a guy that was stuck in a, a life raft for uh, 90 over 90 days and just barely survived. That was amazing. And just fun, different stories like that. Boy, and I ghosts got... and things. You know, of course, the ghosts and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a good guest for you. Uh, his name is Nelson Dellis. He's a five-time United States memorizing memory champion. And oh. he has uh, almost died on Mount Everest three of his four attempts. Oh, my God. Wow. His story is incredible incredible and it would be perfect for you but martin we're talking ufos tonight and we are going to when we round the corner here after the break we are going to get into what's going on in the ufo world right now because there's a lot of big news that has dropped recently and i want to get your opinion on what you think about this topic becoming so political and disclosure for dollars that seems to be rampant all over the place. From Podcast UFO, our guest tonight, the legendary Martin Willis on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. We will return with the second half hour of the show right after this. Please stay tuned. That was a fast half hour, man. Holy yeah, it went fast. Well, you filled it up a bit in the beginning. That was a great intro. 
Thank you. Thank you. I get Nelson Dellis, man. He is a, he's turned out to be a good friend of mine. Tell him that, uh, um, um, tell him that I uh, recommended him to you. He is, yeah, maybe you can, uh, connect us to, yeah, I could do that on, on Facebook, but I mean, he, um, I don't think he's going to attempt Everest again. I can't say as I blame him, but, um, but he, uh, you know, he goes into detail, like what it's like to be walking over the bodies and, and, you mm-hmm. know, like having epiphanies on the mountain, like, you know, where he was like, you know, less than a hundred meters from, from, uh, making it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he starts spitting up blood and, ah. and it, 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 he's tried from both sides and wow. he just like, the the scariest part for him is the mountain haunts him. Hmm. Like it's continually like that mountain has a, uh, it's almost like it's paranormal. The mountain haunts him. And hmm. I don't I think that. he's going to go back now because, you know, he's married with three children now. Um, oh yeah. And uh, he just, he he just couldn't make it the last time, but um, mm. uh, I don't. He only had two children then, but I don't think he wants to uh, um, to try again because now there's responsibility. You know, there's a family to take care of, and mm. <clears throat> you know, summiting Everest is a very very um, selfish endeavor. And you have to, you have to, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah. You have to be selfish. I mean, when literally you are stepping, people are crying for help and you, Mm. and you're just walk right by them because you can't do anything. Right. He he says it's, it's eerie, you know, like the first time he stepped over green boots, Mm. uh, it, it hit him a little bit. Right. And, uh, that's the fate for people is that's the famous picture of, uh, of the, uh, I believe it, they believe it's an Indian, uh, uh, mountaineer who just collapsed under, uh, under a rock and he just died right there. And people don't know his identity. They only think who it is and they, everybody identifies him as uh, green boots. Oh, oh, I, I never heard up. that before. Yeah. That's something, huh? Yeah, I'll pull up the uh, the image here one second. Um, where am I here? And you said that he's also, what did you say? He had like a photographic memory or something Yeah, like he, he's won the uh, United States uh, Memory Championship uh, five times. Jeez. And uh, he is now investigating uh, remote viewing for the last couple really? of years with success. Wow. So there's green boots right there, the famous photo. Okay, of green wow. boots. Yeah. Wow, that's sad. Yeah. Jeez. And you, Therefore, you literally like you have no choice on the way up. You literally have to step over him. There is no way around him. Is he ever? Anyone going to ever recover? No. Or they just don't do they that. They leave him they there can't. because he's a he's a marker now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. But a brilliant, brilliant interview. Um, Mm. uh, Steve McLean, I don't know about Chris Stiles. We'll try and get him. Welcome to the show, uh, Steve. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, Chris is great. I can connect you to Chris. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Hi, Lee the Bee. How are you? But, uh, yeah, Nelson is, uh, is a fantastic guest. And, Mm. uh, now that he's more in getting into the remote viewing and everything, him and I've been talking uh, recently, I'm going to be bringing him back on the show. He's just traveling right now, but, um, I would say out of all my guests that I've ever had, he's probably number one. Sounds like a brilliant guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm trying to figure figure out what uh, dirty filth is. Here, let's bring that up here. We we got about 20 seconds. So far, uh, looks like we have uh, an alien in disguise with a man in black. Okay. All right. All right. That's the man in black, yes. Thank you to W. Decker, Deb, Mike, my flock, Surf Jared, Cat Chaser. Here we go with the next half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. I am your host who wears the most tinfoil around you. And we're glad that you are here tuning us on in. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, do us a favor and check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio or any podcast outlet. We are there for free. Our archives will always be free for you. Also, our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can support us on Patreon and become a space traveler today. All right, Martin Willis from Podcast UFO is with us tonight. He's one of the best voices on anything to do with UFOs, and we're glad to bring him here to Spaced Out Radio for the first time. Martin, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I'm enjoying it. Martin, I want to ask you, because the last six years, you know, since the inception of the To the Stars Academy, then the New York Times article, especially in the last two years, this topic has become highly political. And, you know, Mm -hmm. much like you and and myself, our audience doesn't want to hear politics. They don't want anything to do with political officials or anything with the nuances that anybody from, you know, Republicans to Democrats to conservatives to liberals up here in Canada have to say about UFOs. They don't want it. But here we are, and this has turned into a massive topic, even though the mainstream media really, I think, drops the ball on this on this yeah. topic on a daily basis. If they actually paid attention to the news, they'd be talking to UFOs as much as you and I do. But when you look at the way that this story has evolved politically... With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. 
As a TIC2 inhibitor, Satic2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Satic2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic2 decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So TIC2 inhibits TIC2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if SOTIC2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. How do you feel about that? How has it changed your game? It hasn't really changed all that much, you know, but I I have seen that there's a lot of bipartisan, you know, participation in this. And I, I kind of witnessed that firsthand, you know, when I went to the hearing and uh, sat there in the audience and I just watched, you know, the Democrats and Republicans work together. And I, I got to uh, meet Tim Burchett. Uh, he came out, out in the line. We're in the line very early. Uh, 5.40 a.m., uh, waiting to get into that hearing. And Tim came out, he was there at 6 a.m., just walking around and saying, hey, you know, uh, hey, everyone, I appreciate you being here. And then I uh, handed him a microphone, and he looked at my name tag, and he says, oh, yeah, you've been at it a long time. So, I mean, it showed me that he really does pay attention to, you know, what people are saying about it. It's not just someone, you know, that's, uh, talking about it, you know, for some other type of reason. This guy really has an interest in it. And whether you don't like Republicans or don't like Democrats, they're treating it, uh, at least in that hearing itself, pretty even evenly and asking really good questions. So I really don't mind all that much. I don't think it's changing a lot. Um, you know, I mean, it's possibly... We may be heading toward more answers. It's awful hard to say. You know, I mean, what, what does happen when it becomes political is it gets out there a lot. You know, there's news coverage and it more people are talking about it. I mean, I was I was in a house where uh, doing an appraisal in, on Cape Cod and uh, the woman 
said something about, you know, she was joking something about aliens will like her glass sculptures kind of as a, a joke. And I said, did you hear about the hearing recently? And she said, I watched the whole thing. Now she's a, you know, retired mathematician and a brilliant woman. And her husband is also, and uh, they watched the whole hearing, you know, so it's, what I'm getting at is, uh, you know, it's just, it's changed. It's out there more, um, you know, possibly because uh, there is politics involved. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. It, and for you, when you kind of look at, at the way this subject has has become, what do you think of the narrative that is being played right now, Martin, with with everything. I mean, the narrative for me started when all of a sudden we couldn't call UFOs UFOs anymore, and we had to call them this horrible acronym of UAP. Then, yeah. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I definitely saw it, and, and my, I was confirmed by it since probably February, that UAP really, to me, are man-made objects. They're not... UFOs. Now, there's a lot of people who will argue that with me, but I and but I'm okay with that. Okay, where did you find this narrative start to shift for you, where you were like, you know, that that might be a little bit of a red flag. Well, you know, it, it's it's been a long time coming, but I I will say this back in I remember back in 2013, I went to uh, North Carolina where there was a UFO. Um, conference and i'm trying to dr richard haynes part of nicap oh, was there he's retired now but i said uh, that i have my show is called podcast ufo and i wondered if you would be on my show so i can talk to you about the subject and he said you know and it was he's involved in you know commercial pilots um you know uh, reporting and things like that so he said no he said, if you were podcast UAP, this is in 2013, he said that to me. So uh, that's what they were calling them. And so that was kind of adopted. Uh, and I said, why UAP? You know, why? And I remember Leslie Kane was there also. And I was talking to her about it. And I said, why, why, why does it have to be UAP? What's the difference? And she said, well, UFOs have gone to... The, the thinking of little green men, you know, all the things you can say and ridicule about the topic, the tinfoil hats and all that. And it's kind of, uh, it, it kind of sucks, you know, that it's all put into that one, you know, broad brush stroke that, you know, people are crazy if it's, if they're seeing a UFO basically. So they adopted, and I think it's ridiculous you know, now and they changed recently within the last year or so. They changed it to unidentified anomalous. Uh, let's see, unidentified, unidentified anomalous phenomenon. That's what they changed it to. It was uh, un, unidentified aerial phenomenon or something like that before, uh, but they changed it to that. And you know, if someone will say to you or to me, "Well, what is UAP?" What is the UAP? You say it's a UFO. You know, I mean, it's kind of like you, you just, it's the same thing. And it's its kind of, uh, as uh, someone I talked to recently, uh, yesterday actually, he said it's just kind of another way to muddy everything. 
It, it really is. And you know, where I, where I had always kind of led the whole UAP subject, number one, I did I never liked it. So it was a, it was a personal thing, you know, because we all have our tastes and what we like and what we don't. But when, when the, the drones started flying over, the balloons started flying over from China that started getting shot down. That and when I was when I'm listening to these generals and these politicians not using the term UAP, but using the term UFO, saying that these were not UFOs. Okay, that's where I was able to read between the lines and say, okay. You're telling me these aren't UFOs, but you're talking UAP. So UAP must mean man-made objects. Hmm. That's where I yeah. Can... I never. I I can see where you're going, but uh, that was. I think that was that particular person's fault for for saying it like that. Myself, because I I think the UAP is just the way that any type of government agency is going to refer to whatever it is. And by the way, I was right under the balloon when it got shot. Oh, wow. What was that like? Well, I was, uh, it was, uh, I met, was meeting with a real estate agent in Myrtle beach, which I ended up not liking the area, but, uh, I was with a real estate agent, got out of the car and he said, Oh, the Chinese balloon is up there. And I, I looked up and it said, yeah, last I knew, I was on a, I was out to sea. So last I knew, the thing was in the Midwest, and so I, I look up at it and I said, "Yeah, that looks, that does look just like the Chinese balloon." He said, "It is," and just then, the fighter jet came, and I'm filming the whole time and I'm taking pictures, and I saw the fighter jet come, and then all of a sudden, poof! I saw the whole thing. Wow! And I caught it on film. I caught the instant that it was hit on, on a, in a picture. Wow. So that was fun. Wow. That is incredible. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are the odds a guy that does UFO show steps out and sees a, balloon, a UFO getting shot? <laughs> right. You no, know, you're watching UAP get shot down. You're watching, oh, that's right. UAP. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pardon me. Pardon me. You know, but <laughs> overall, I've seen so many different politicians now speak out about this subject on both sides of the border. More so we focus on the American side, even though I'm Canadian, you know, mm-hmm. but the idea that this subject keeps getting bigger and bigger names that are now being associated with it, whether it's AOC, whether it's Matt Gates, whether, you know, I love the fact that Tim Burchett, whether or not you love his politics or, or whatever, he has been a real main player in keeping yeah. this subject alive for mm-hmm. you know for the people who are physically mentally emotionally invested into it do you see uh, do you see like me where somebody like tim burchett wants true disclosure he doesn't want the games that sean kirkpatrick is playing or susan goff at the pentagon is playing or the military is playing you know, do you do you see that as well? That it maybe it's a losing cause, or maybe it's it's something that he's throwing his his weight behind, even though he has no weight to throw. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great that he's doing what he's doing, and um, you know, I mean, he's 
he's a thorn in the side of a lot of people, you know, because uh, he won't give up on this thing. And I hope he continues. I really do. Because, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for him, that hearing would have never happened. And I think, I think all this is steps forward. And, uh, you know, if everything David Grush, I mean, why would he go under oath and risk his freedom and pension and everything else uh, if he wasn't either one or two things, in my opinion? Either he's telling absolutely the truth of what people have told him and what he knows and all this, or he's being fed, you know, a bunch of BS. And, and why, what would be the purpose of that? You know, I don't understand what the purpose of that would be, you know, because he's not going to risk everything under oath and, and lie about it. So where do you sit with David Grush? You've heard the man. With Sotictu for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic2 inhibitor, Sotic2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic2, Decravacitinib, is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick2 inhibits Tick2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. And speak live. Yeah. Where do you stand with him? I shook his hand too, by the way. I got to do nice. that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, well, when I very first heard that, I went, whoa, like that's almost like too far. That's just plain too far. And then um, I watched the interview that Ross Coldhart did. Great job interviewing him. And he asked some very great questions to ask someone like him that makes a claim like that. So I, uh, and then uh, right away, you know, I heard from a, a friend of mine that's involved in the UFO world and he's skeptic right off the bat. 
and we've had a lot of discussions about it, and he's still on the skeptical side about it. But I'm more in line with thinking there could be some truth to it, you know, a lot of a lot of truth to it. And the last, uh, you know, hour you mentioned, or whatever it is, last half hour uh, that I'll be on, I'd like to talk about uh, a firsthand military witness that I have, you know, coming up. Yeah, I, so I, I think there's there's definitely something to it. Do you think with David Grush and the harassment that he has taken from the Ken Klippenstein article on The Intercept to people really, I would say, more than questioning him online about his credentials and his, especially his health, do you think that he makes a credible whistleblower? Yes, I do. I think anything, all the issues that he's had are things, you know, that anybody can go through. You know, I can empathize with it. You can go through with such a traumatic experience as, you know, his friend, you know, committing suicide and things like that. And I think that's totally unrelated. He seems to be a man of, you know, real integrity. And he's had a lot of people speak up, you know, for him and back him up. So I don't think that anything that happened to him, you know, we all as humans go through things in our lives that, you know, are not the best of times. And we either do one or two things. We either get help and move forward or we live in it. And it appears to me that he's moved forward and gotten help where he needed to. So, you know, I respect him totally for it. The thing that I don't understand about the critics argument is they never removed his secret clearance. They never removed his, his top secret knowledge. They never removed him from his position. Yeah. How is this so hard Martin, for these critics who are bashing the hell out of this guy to come out and say, hold on a second here. This is a top secret government project where they are looking into things that very few people are, okay, because they want to keep it quiet. And yet this guy has had these health issues, but they are not removing his clearance because of it. I, why do you think that's so hard for them to get? Is it clickbait? Is it more than that? No, I think I think you're right. I think it's 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 probably something like clickbait, which you're, you're getting at. But I think the intercept, um, I think was a Klickenstein or whatever his name is. Uh, I think you know he was he had to be fed information from somewhere because those names are redacted. And the the places, you know, he had to been fed that information to look for it. And I personally, right off the bat, my personal thoughts were on this whole thing is, oh, well, this is perfect. Now whistleblowers will not, firsthand witnesses are going to stay in the shadows. They don't want to be treated like this, you know, and it's a perfect thing to stop more whistleblowers from coming forward. Well, that's a big thing that that we do need to talk about here is we've got about six and a half minutes to go before we go to break here at the top of the hour. Podcast UFOs, Martin Willis is with us tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Martin, you know, that is my concern, was that this was a real, real shot over the bow of the whistleblower's boat, okay? Mm-hmm. That, look, mm-hmm. David Grush had issues. We had no problem releasing uh, these this information to the public, 
you know, and there's a lot of people who say that Ken Klippenstein dug it up himself, you know, but let's face it, everybody knows because he said it himself that he was tipped off on where to look by certain government agencies. Yeah. Okay. So they were going after him. And what's to say that, you know, let, let's say you get another person who isn't, maybe doesn't have the health issues, but maybe is known as, you know, he's got, he or she has five spouses and 19 kids and, and, you know, is a, is a chronic philanderer, you know, nobody wants their personal lives going out in public like that, especially over a topic like UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And it's, uh, I think it's a, a low stoop. You know, it only, I think that article could only have one possible purpose. And, you know, I mean, he has every right as a journalist to, to write that. And, but I, it just felt more like a hit piece, piece than anything else. And I don't know what else it could be thought of. See, I will, yeah. I will, from a journalistic point of view, I've talked to a lot of my friends who are journalists, not involved in the UFO field. And I've asked him that point. I said, if such and such a politician had a- an issue like this, I said, would you report on it? They said, no. Hmm. Yeah, that there are certain things yeah. that you just don't cover. And that is a person's personal health history, you know, yeah. especially when, you know, especially being a veteran, PST or PSTD or PTSD, pardon me, Um and, and things like that. So I'll agree to disagree with you on that one, which I think is okay. But on the flip side, do you think that hurts his credibility? Because let's also remember that they, uh, one of the biggest arguments against David Grush is he's never seen anything. He's just reporting on stories that he has heard. Well, he 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 had to believe it enough to do all the actions that he did and he did it all the right way. You know, he didn't take any shortcuts. So if he didn't really truly believe that this is real, what he was told or little bits that he was shown is real, then, you know, why bother? He's not out to sell a book. He's not looking to be, you know, have you seen him? He's been interviewed by BBC and Ross Coldheart. He's not out trying to sell books. Or anything. It's. I think it's a personal uh, thing that he has done. He did this for himself. I do believe, and he wanted not just for himself, but for the public to know. Do you think what's happened will discourage other whistleblowers from coming forward? Oh yeah, I do. I do. Have you talked to anybody uh, in the know that that has stated? Look, I know whistleblowers who are not coming forward now because they don't want this well i'll tell you the the guy that i'll be interviewing uh, that'll be up tomorrow he's not he's a witness not a whistleblower because he refuses to you know do anything with the government he just doesn't want to get involved with anything about them he doesn't trust them so um i i saw that you know when this whole thing happened that I was hoping that he wouldn't back out and he hasn't, but it's only because he's going to be on my show and not, you know, not be out in a, a big public venue, like a hearing or something like that. I, if Martin Willis was a whistleblower, would Martin Willis seeing what's happened to David Grush 
come forward? Hmm. I think I think I would. I think I would anyway, because you know, I mean, if you really do know something, what's the best protection is to get it out there, really. You know, if you know something that can be you can be harmed for and it's that big of a secret, yeah, I'd want to talk about it. Would you do it in public or try and keep if it, it was behind real, the scenes? If it was real and I really saw these things and, and I saw the wrongdoing that the government's doing by hiding it and, you know, secretly appropriating funds to house it, you know, outside of the government, things like that. Yes, I, I would. And what does Martin Willis think the government is hiding? Well, if it's true what he's saying, then they're hiding that they're trying to reverse engineer whatever it is, the crash retrievals. And I know it's you can go into the big argument with how could they have all this technology get here and crash? You know, I've heard I've heard that argument many times. And all I can say is I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know how that is possible, but um, it's possible that it's possible. It, it it very much is, and you know my my big thing is we got about thirty seconds to go here. Is I really hope that these these people, these whistleblowers that may come forward, I hope that they they are talking to lawyers beforehand. I hope they're talking and getting much legal advice before they even think of coming out public, because for them it's going to be nothing but ugly. It it, it really is going to be yeah. nothing. But ugly. Martin, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because hard to believe we're already through one hour on Spaced Out Radio tonight with our special guest, Martin Willis, the incredible host of Podcast UFO, which can be downloaded absolutely anywhere and everywhere from YouTube on its way down to every podcast nation out there. Ours too, by the way, just showing you that. But hey, We're having a good talk on UFOs tonight. I hope you are enjoying it because when we get back from hour number two, we're going to learn more about UFOs, anecdotal stories, and more from there. We'll be right back. All right. We are clear. Excellent. All right. Wow. That drawing's coming along. So can we take a little... Walk away break here. Wow. Yep. That's dirty filth right in action right there. Pretty amazing. Yeah, we got about six minutes, Martin. I'm going to step away for a minute. Uh, We're going to turn the uh, desk over to Mr. Dirty Filth to go over this incredible piece of art and, and everything in between. We'll be right back, Martin. Thank you. There goes Dave to let the dog man out. Dog men, Dave. Dog men. They're chained up in your backyard. He doesn't actually have dog men, I don't think. Oops. All right. So we got... That's a little bit close. All right, we got... Government agent. Definitely not an alien in disguise. And a man in black. And they're going to put out some information about about uh, aliens and such over the ham radio. Because they still go by ham radio first in the secret government agents. Don't ask how I know that stuff.
Kim, Dave's dogs, I think they're about a thousand years old. Dead fish, I would have to agree. They've probably all got all types of alien technology and everything to some degree. I mean, they just came out with iPods and touch screens in a couple of years' time. It's kind of strange. Actually, I remember, I don't know where the article is, and I'm rambling. I apologize. Apparently, there was some kind of UFO that crashed in Poland and people were trying to leave the area or something. And yeah, I can't remember the article right off my hand. Hello, Sir Bothwell. Thanks, AZ man. They legalized. Married iguanas entirely across the board in Canada. You can go to the store and buy a pack of wacky tobacco. A cat tickler. I'm trying to think of something to put on the clipboard. I can write it small enough, but there's not enough space. The yellow book. Trivels chewing on Joe Rogan's cod piece. Hello, lovely Julie. Hi, paranormal pixie. I got my fancy patch over here, handy dandy. I hope everyone's having a good night, nonetheless. We continue. Drawing a little bit of this stuff here. It was a good weekend. I rolled dice with the nerds, and none of the cats puked, so it worked out perfect. I always figured government agents would just have brown slacks. Maybe even they'd be probably corduroy too. If you can still buy corduroy pants. <clears throat> Mike Bothwell Blob is currently sitting at the door to the art studio, protecting me from aliens that would attack me from behind. I was thinking too when I was drawing this. I wonder if there's alien ham radio operators. I'm sure there operators. are. I'm sure there are. I should ask Science Bob that. He'd probably know. It's a good question for when Science Bob is on next. All right. Looking good, Dirty. Looking good tonight. Thanks, Dave. All right. We want to say hello to TMI and. The gorgeous Kim Jellin, who's got incredible teeth. She brushes and flosses at least twice a day. And who else do we have here? 
Android, good to see you. And River Dogma, thanks for coming on in, man. And who else do we have here that's joined us a little bit late? But you're never late. You can always listen to the podcast side of everything. And let's see who else we got here. Um, let's see. Big J, good to see you. Uh, I think we are caught up. All right. A big thank you to W. Decker, Deb, Mike, My Flock, Surf Jer, Cat Chaser, and Jan for the amazing super chats. I think I'm forgetting one there. Hold on. And Lord William, thank you so much for the love, my friend. And here we come with our number two, everyone. Hello, hello. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with our number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon, where you can join now the Space Travelers Club. Head on over there. It's a lot of fun. All right, we continue our great chat tonight from Podcast UFO, one of the great, great voices in ufology. Martin Willis is with us. Martin, thank you so much for being here. It's been my pleasure. Martin, I want to ask you a question because over the weekend, we lost a, a an experiential pillar in our community in Calvin Parker. Okay, he is uh, somebody who in 1973, the year I was born, had uh, decided to go on a fishing trip with his buddy. Next thing you know, they were allegedly abducted. And that has been one of the biggest stories out there that would stand up to Travis Walton uh, or Betty and Barney Hill and, and many others of that ilk. The question that I have for you regarding this is experiencers they this is the tough part of the ufo question because many many people around north america and and the world in general claim to have been abducted claim to have had uh, encounters with extraterrestrials and and much more that kind of goes on with that where do you stand on the experiencers because it's such a controversial topic and the more science and the more political this topic has become, I feel that experiencers have been really pushed to the side, castigated like outcasts from their own community. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that I can speak a little bit about Calvin after, after I answer this or yes, please do. I could a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. when I first, you know, took on this subject, and by the way, I was a podcaster in the antiques and fine arts 
starting in 2009. That's why I had the idea of doing this about the UFO. So I've been at that a long time. Um, so when I first started, I really had a problem with the abduction side of it and the experiences. I think they were calling them abductions 12 years ago and experiences came a little bit later. So at first I, I kind of had a closed mind about it, thinking it's just too far, you know, it doesn't seem real, possible. And, you know, then I heard about the sleep paralysis and things like that. But then I started to think and talk to other people that had these ex experiences that seemed really credible, like there's really something to it. And I got to thinking also, like, if we were exploring, you know, would we just visit and not, like, look at samples or, you know, the life forms, if we had that capability, I'm sure that's what we would do. However, um, that is putting like human thoughts. And with so tick two for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means? Beach day. As a tick two inhibitor. So tick two is the only one daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about so tick two today and learn more at so clearly That's so clearly Sotictu decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotictu. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotictu can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick2 inhibits Tick2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. To whatever it is that is visiting us here, I don't know what they think or what they uh, would want to do, whoever it is that's visiting us. So the bottom line is, you know, I first met uh, Travis, Travis Walton many years ago, uh, sat face-to-face -face with him and, and didn't, you know, just speak on the show, but I mean, just hung out with him for a while and had a lot of conversations and realized, you know, he was a highly intelligent guy, first of all. And um, if he's lying, he's damn good at it because, you know, he'll, you just, the way he just looks you right in the eye and stuff. And it's an incredible story. And 
Um, so I started to think, well, maybe there really is something to it. And then the Allagash incident, I got to know the, the people involved in that. That was another abduction um, situation that they all hid the memory of it for, I think it was about 10 years before they started remembering. And they were having dreams all along where they'd have, you know, little bits and pieces of it. And then it all came back to them, basically. You know, that's a very good uh, case in particular, the uh, Allagash incident. And then Calvin Parker. You know, so I, I uh, and and I don't know if it's the timing's right for me to talk about him right now. Please go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. So Calvin. Uh, well, first of all, I I had a blogger on my site. I have one now too, but I mean, I had one uh, way back, and I think it was 2014 or something like that. And he wrote an, an article about you know the Pascagoula incident where Calvin and and Hicks were involved. And in 1973, so he wrote the blog and it got out there somehow where I got this email and the email address was gone fishing at AOL.com. And it, and uh, so it said, that's a nice article you wrote. And uh, it's very, very accurate and very nice. And thank you. And then he signs it Calvin Parker. So I go, whoa, 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 because everyone was talking about Calvin Parker, not talking about this event for a good 30 years. So I said, uh, Calvin, is this the Calvin Parker? And if, if so, would you be willing to be a guest? And uh, so he said, sure, that he would be on my show. So I, I had him on my show. I was really excited to have him on. And uh, a really amazing thing that happened after that was, someone uh, contacted me and said, may I have Calvin's, you know, information? I'd like to, to speak with him. And I said, well, I never give out anyone's contact information. Let me forward your email to him. Well, it ended up being an estranged daughter that was looking for her father. And they became so close. And uh, unfortunately, she passed away, you know, a few years ago. But and before she did, they became, you know, they were on the phone every day together and all that. And, and just... That made my podcast worth doing right there. Just that one incident, you know, uh, where they, they were able to connect again. So then uh, one day, um, uh, Philip Mantle in the, U in the UK, I saw a posting on Facebook and he said, I'm looking to get a hold of Calvin Parker. Does anyone know how? And I said, and I know Calvin, Calvin was working on a book. And that's what Philip Mantle does, you know, some publishing so I connected the two and he, Philip Mano did a great job with it. And his book is, uh, you know, gone and I don't know how many languages, but it's really out there. And the story got out there, you know, because of the great job that Philip Mano did with it. So I was in Phoenix, um, I think 2018 or 19. And uh, I got Calvin to speak at the, you know, through Alejandro Rojas, I got, um, Calvin to speak at the event out there. And so I hung out with him for hours and we became really good friends and he, and we've had uh, a lot of really great discussions. So, uh, and we were in constant contact with each other. And so I was, uh, you know, I was, I knew that it was near the end for him. He's been sick for quite a while. And the last time he was on my show, it was on many times. The last time he was on, he had a spell and I was really concerned about him where he, 
sort of had the freeze like their show on Mitch McConnell having, you know, he sort of had a freeze, like he couldn't speak for a minute, like a mini stroke or something. I don't know what it was, but anyway, um, he's a, he's a loss. He was a great guy and boy, was he funny. You should have heard him. He had everyone cracking up when he was up there talking on the stage and it's just his mannerisms and everything. He was, he was an awesome guy. Very well said. I, I never had the opportunity to chat with him. He, yeah. Yeah. Um, he probably would have, you know, I mean, he was open to talking to people. I connected him a number of times. Yeah. When you look at incidents like Calvin's or, or you look at incidents like Travis Walton or Betty at Barney Hill, these are legendary cases in our field. The Andreasen affair is another one, you know, and there's so many that are out there that you look at where we are today in a social media aspect and standpoint. Do you think we will ever have another Calvin Parker or do you think we'll have another Travis Walton? You know, I guess it's, I guess the question is much like the, 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 the Bigfoot video out of Bluff Creek, but the Patterson Gimlin film, you know, I don't think there will ever be another good film like that. CGI is too good, you know, these days and, and, you know, fakery of photographs is too good these days. Do you think, do you think we have passed that point of, of getting those high quality stories now where everybody and their dog is now coming out as an experiencer? Well, I remember having a discussion with Bruce McAbee, and he's, you know, a photo video analyst, uh, probably retired now. I haven't heard much from him lately. Um, And he said to me, never mind the video, never mind the photo. It's the witness. Start with the witness. And I think, you know, I mean, you're right about um, the AI, what AI can do right now with photos and things is just crazy. Um, you know, you just put in these prompts and all of a sudden you have a UFO from 1890, you know, and everything looks authentic. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy what AI can do and it's not going to get any easier for discerning what's real and, you know, what's, you know, done by AI or, or Photoshop even, you know, or CGI and all that. So I think it's the, the person and if there's witnesses, I think they're, I mean, you're right. It would be much harder today for their, for a story like either one of those to come forward that I, I can think of. It would be, it would be tougher and you'd really have to have some type of cooperation between, you know, other people or, or some type of who knows what to, to make it stick, but it would, it, we are in different times. And, you know, you, you mentioned social media. I mean, that alone you know, I mean, there's it's there's so much fighting in this side and that side. And, you know, it's it, it's really hard. I don't know if social media was such a good idea after all. But here we are talking on a type of social media. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, how it would be handled today. Yeah, I, I don't know how it would be handled either. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned something really important about what uh, Dr. Bruce Maccabee said, start with the experiencer. Gary Nolan from Stanford University has come out and pretty much said the same thing. We have to be able to to listen to these people because they are our first lead on everything. Yet yeah. the UFO community 
has really seemed to turn against the experiencer with hiding behind anecdotal evidence. I, you know, the human brain is never going to remember the the happenings truthfully and fully, and, and there's going to be exaggeration, and there's going to be things that are left out. And, and we're getting a lot of that recently, uh, especially over the last year or so. You know, where do you stand then on people coming out and talking about their experiences if they're going to be chastised? Hmm. Well, there's a place for them. You know, there's a place um, that when I, whenever I go to, you know, a UFO conference, like I was at the MUFON one recently, uh, you know, uh, was it last weekend? I think it might have been last weekend. Um, when I was there, um, not not Labor Day weekend, the weekend before, they had like an experiencers, you know, meeting early in the morning, and I poked my head in to one of them, and there was a lot of people there. So it's almost like what I've seen in Phoenix and a few other places where they have these meetings, I would say it's the closest thing to group therapy that I can think of. And they're, you know, whatever it is that's happening to them, if it's, you know, I mean, people will say that it's a sleep paralysis or, you know, whatever it is, but whatever it is that's happening to them is real to them. Personally, if I had something like that going on in my life, I would not be able to function. And so my hat's off uh, to them for being able to hang in there because I, I, it would, it would control me. I wouldn't be able to think about anything else. If I had the fear that something was going to come in my room and I had no protection from them and, you know, take me away or whatever it is, experiment on me or whatever it is, I just couldn't see that I could function day to day. I don't know how people can. Yeah. So I empathize with them. Do you think then that the UFO community at large and even men with Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means? Beach day. As a Tick 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic 2 Decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic 2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic 2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. 
Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. The scientists that are out there studying this field are saying experiencers are getting in the way of real research. I think the only thing that the only truth about that is, is that it's it's such a hard thing to swallow for a lot of people. So I could understand why someone would say that. Because again, you know, as I was saying, when I first started looking into this, I really had a hard time with it until I really thought about it and looked into things more and more and more. But if you're on the outside and just starting to look into this and, you know, people are talking about crafts and and crafts uh, in the sky and radar evidence and videos and pictures. And if you're just getting into this, and you really want to find out what's going on. And then you hear these people saying, you know, that they're getting abducted by aliens. You know, it might scare you away. You might think it's just too much. You know, I can't handle that, that part of it. You know, this is all my speculation. But if I was to say that there was any way that it would hurt uh, research, it would only hurt research if someone was just getting into it and just looking into it. And that might be just a step too far. For them to to go to go there do you believe then that there is a place that maybe many scientists haven't bled into regarding the blending of a plethora of experiences that are out there from quality people who have nothing to gain and the science behind what is happening to them. I mean, we know Gary Nolan and Jacques Vallée are looking into it. We know there are studies at Rice University, but the rest of the community seems to be worried about propulsion and and zero gravity and other scientific anomalies that that are out there with these craft, and we're not even talking about aliens or who's flying them. Well, um, uh, so what is basically you? What is the basic question you have here? Well, I understand the, where you're going. I guess. But. I guess the question would be, how do we blend the two together? In your opinion, how do you blend the experiences with the scientific community, where the scienti- the scientists out there give the credence to what people are going through? Hmm. That is, I don't know if I have an, a really good answer for that because that is that is a, a tough situation because you know there. I I really I really don't know. I do know that you know one uh, professor. I'm trying to think of his name. It's just eluded me right now. That I had on my show that is part of the SCU and he's you know uh, a scientist through and through. And I had like a guest on with him and he was a military guest. And then he went into this most amazing, uh, it wasn't actually an abduction, but he was like 
visited, you know, personally. And uh, he went into the detail of that. And then the show was over and I was talking to the scientists and I said, well, how do you feel about this guy talking about this experience he had with this alien or whatever it is? And uh, he said, well, you know, I got to be open-minded, you know, and, and they're, they're, there, it's this guy sounded really authentic and he says, I, I got to just, you know, keep this in mind that it could really be happening. Well, I can't say it can't be happening. You know, he had a very open mind about it. And I don't, I don't know if that's could be contagious in that community of science or not. You know I mean? I, I really don't know what the answer is into getting them to look at it unless it's happening to someone they respect and that person confides in them or something. Three minutes to go here. I want to ask you about all of these groups that are popping up, whether it's the Enigma of Enigma Labs, whether it's, you know, Avi Loeb's Galileo Project, uh, the, the pilots that are putting together their own group. We see a lot of these groups popping up for this, what I like to call disclosure for dollars. Okay. <laughs> and we know that there that there's going to be a budget on this. That's why they keep pushing a threat narrative Th- because mm-hmm. threat narratives, anything to do with threats, that means a lot of zeros on a budget. Okay. And, and you know that I know that where do you stand with all of these groups trying to, who've never, these people have never had anything to do with ufology before most of them. And now all of a sudden they are, they are almost like in a bidding war to try and get the next big defense contract on UFOs. Well, you know, Avi Loeb, I, I, I like Avi Loeb because he's he's very open-minded for someone of his stature, you know, in Harvard and all that. Um, had him on the show, I don't know, five or six times. He's, uh, he's a creature of habit. Everything he does is, you know, very exacting and, and all that. Um, in his particular situation, you know, the, he's getting the funding. It's not his personal gain. You know, however, though, he did have the book. He wrote that book, and the book did very well, surprisingly. So I know that, you know, and, and there's a little misconception. Most people don't make a lot of money on books. Um, but I do believe that his book did really well. But I don't think that he's in it for personal gain. Um, these other uh, Enigma Labs, I'm not really sure where they're going. Uh, you know, my friend Alejandro Rojas, um, I do believe is still involved in that. And I know it was a paying position. So I don't know where the funding is coming from and what they're looking to get, you know, contracts, like you say. Perhaps that is, you know, part of what their goal is. I haven't really looked into this whole thing, but I like disclosure for dollars. I, I love that. That's really good. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is we see a lot of positioning going on. We see, mm-hmm. you know, we see a lot of positioning, a lot of people who are, you know, starting to create these clicks around, like you have the UFO community that's battling and badgering on Twitter. You have the, the, um, the community of podcasters and radio shows and, and YouTube channels that are kind of clicked together. Then you have the scientists like the SCU and a lot of these guys vying and jockeying for these positions within these groups. And for me, and I'm curious your thoughts with about 40 seconds to go, 
you know, where do you stand on on the fact that these cliques are forming and they may not be in the best interests of the public rather than personal gain? Mm, yeah, there is a lot of that. And, you know, I feel as though I'm, I, I don't get involved in any of that. You know, I just I just do my show and and, you know, get people on. But I'm not I, I try to stay away from all of that type of thing. I don't get involved in a lot of controversy. There is one person I have gotten in controversy with. Um, but for the most part, I try to stay neutral on things. But, you know, I'll, I'll call fraud when I think there's a fraud. Very true. Very true. Uh, we got Mr. Martin Willis for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. When we return, a military story that he's going to break from an eyewitness. This is going to be an incredible story. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues after this. All right, we are clear. Let's see what Dirty Filth created for us tonight. That is something. Say so, watercolor with a fine tip felt. I think that's what I was seeing him use. Yes. Correct. Yeah, very nice. And, you know, I think it's really great that, you, that you're that you doing this live and you show how you build you know build it up first. And I know watercolor. I tried to do watercolor, and I can ruin a watercolor pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, I figured. Yeah. I figured they sent it out, all their information out over the ham radio. <laughs> That's funny. That is yeah. awesome, Dirty. So how do you come up with it? You, you think about a concept first, and then you just kind of put it together without doing any thumbnail sketches or anything? Uh, it depends. I usually just have a great big book full of drawings and I kind of pick from those. Usually oh, whenever I, I read stuff about UFO Twitter X and Skinwalker Ranches and Bigfoot shows and ghosts, I just sketch little ideas and try to add something relevant usually to the time. I like you have the little feet on the Tic Tac like the those little transponders or whatever they are that they claim they saw, even down to that detail. <laughs> yeah, you got to have that on there in the Black Triangle World Tour. Yeah, as I well. See that. That's awesome. <laughs> they're, they're like Bob Dylan. They just, Black Triangles just play forever. <laughs> you know, I was looking at the website, the AARO website that just went up, and they talk about the percentages of sightings and I was very surprised to see that only 2% were triangles that kind of shocked me it seems like so many of the triangles are being reported I don't know if Dave is oh, still I'm listening there or not. I'm listening yeah. yeah yeah you know what's weird Martin is where I grew up in uh, a with Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. 
Isotictu decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotictu. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotictu can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tic2 inhibits Tic2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tic2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. Ctmobile.com. City called Abbotsford, British Columbia. There is a black triangle hotbed of sightings there. Wow. And it goes, so this is about an hour east of Vancouver. Okay. It starts off in uh, this this town called Aldergrove. It goes straight for about 70 miles to right before you hit the what they call the Fraser Canyon to this small town called Hope, British Columbia, which, by the way, is where the original uh, Rambo, First Blood, was filmed. Hmm. And then it goes to this city called Mission, where I lived for 15 years, and it, it creates this triangle. And Abbotsford, Aldergrove are right along the Washington state border. And mm. and and with Mission is about ten miles from the about ten fifteen miles from the Washington north of the Washington state border, <laughs> and uh, there are black triangle sightings there more so than anywhere in Canada. And are they the same type of no. people reporting? They're different. The triangles different are model. different. They, there's been try. I've I've seen two of them. Uh, the really? one that I wow. saw had a fully lit up undercarriage. Huh. Um, the other one that I saw with a friend of mine was so big, I bet you you could lay it over a city. How about that? And Jeez. there's you know you got the the typical three lights in the corner. One in each corner. There's been people who've yeah. who've caught, uh, seen these uh, flying over with the the middle ball light or the orb light right in the center of the three uh, corners. Everything, it, never any boomerangs. 
but black triangles in that area. It is a hotbed. Uh, hot crazy. Bed. Yeah. So I have this this great story. I was I was doing my show in I think it was 2014 or something like that. I was uh, renting a condo at the time on a golf course. It was a beautiful little place. And um, I'm down. I had a, it was three floors. I had the, the, on the bottom floor, I had my studio set up and I was doing my show live there back then. And I thought I heard something during the show and then, you know, kind of ignored it. So afterwards, uh, a day or two afterwards, I, the neighbor said to me, I was banging on your door the other night. And I said, Oh, why everything? Okay. And said, well, this big black triangle came right over and floated right over the golf course. And then I I just wanted you to come out and see it. Wow. And I said, are you kidding me? It was during my show. One sec, Martin. Here we go in three seconds. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us as we're talking UFOs with Martin Willis from Podcast UFO. My name is Dave Scott. So glad to have you join us. I want to remind you all that if you want to listen to our archives, they're always free, either on YouTube or on any major podcast network that's connected to your phone. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon, where you can become a space traveler right now. All right, Martin Willis from Podcast UFO, a very strong authority on the UFO subject in North America. And Martin, you have a show coming up that is literally going to blow the socks off of many, many people who will listen to it. You have an eyewitness military encounter who's going public for the first time. Well, it's actually the second time. The first time he went public, though, was in 2001. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Now, I, had to, I ended up having to pre-record with him, which I did yesterday, and uh, drove back. Uh, this morning from uh, North Carolina. So I'm um, down in uh, South Carolina right now. So yes, Jonathan Wigan, uh, he's out there on uh, YouTube there. You'll see the interviews with him back in 2001. What had happened was he had this encounter in Peru and I'm, I, I'd like to be able to talk about what happened, but when he got out of the military, um, he was trying to figure out, uh, what to do about the whole, you know, situation because it was eating at him. It was really, he was told to never, ever talk about it threatened. And he just felt like he had to get the story out there. So he, yes, uh, Kim had that right. Kim in chat, that is Jonathan, but it's spelled W-E-Y-G-A-N-D-T, Jonathan Wigan. I'll put it in chat. Um, so, so Jonathan, um, was looking for how to get the word out there. And so he contacted 
uh, he was told by a, uh, a friend to listen to Coast to Coast Radio. <laughs> so he did, and he contacted them and said, hey, look, I have something. You know, I, I came upon a crashed UFO in Peru, and I'd like to talk to someone about it. So they connected him with Dr. Stephen Greer. Now, this is back in 2001. Uh Greer was really doing a lot of, actually doing a lot of positive things back then, very interesting things. So, um, and Leslie Kane and Bud Hopkins were involved. They flew Jonathan out. They vetted uh, Jonathan and, you know, his military service and all that. And then he spoke to Dr. Greer, and that interview is out there right now. You can find it on YouTube. And so what happened for the listeners that makes this really interesting. First of all, I should say this. Um, I showed, well, I heard about Jonathan about three years ago through a mutual contact. I showed the video to a friend of mine, it's former FBI, Ben Hansen. A lot of people know Ben Hansen. So he looked at it and he's watching for any deceit, any, any red flags and things like that. And he watches the whole thing and says, this guy seems really, really credible. He's got the right amount of detail. He is, there's no sign of deceit with this guy at all. And so um, I also had a, a, a detective I'll look at him and a Boston policeman and, you know, people looking for body language. And they all say the same thing. It's this guy is, you know, his story is, seems really legit. Everything he talks about, the details. And he was really getting really into the details of exactly what happened. And basically what happened to him was that he was, uh, oh, thank you for putting that up there uh, to Mothman. So what happened was he was a part of this thing called Operation Laser Strike. And that had to do with the drug running and, and intercepting the drug running that, uh, that would be coming into America. And so uh, they would uh, they would communicate with planes flying over. And if the plane didn't respond, then they would shoot it down. This happened, supposedly. And I know it happened with a, a civilian plane that didn't respond. And, you know, it was a tragedy in 2001, I think, or two. So anyway, Jonathan is there in 1997, in March of 1997. And his very first um, outing that he had to go on. It was a recovery. They said there's a, uh, we believe a crashed plane and they gave the location and they think it's a friendly plane. That's how they put it. So they travel with their Humvees. There's five Humvees. They travel into the Amazon for about three hours and they get to the location and then they get in on foot and they go into the bush. It's a very easy to see what's going on because it, looks like someone took a, a knife and cut through the forest. It's like the, the crash, like he said, it was very unusual, no broken trees, almost like it burned through the, the, the forest, the jungle. And, and then over on the other side of the ridge, it was sticking right into a cliff wall, like it was wedged right in there. He could only, they could only see the back. So he's on point, these two other sergeants with him, he's on point. And they, all the other people are held back. And he went up to it and he climbed up to it, dropped his gear and climbed up to it 
And, you know, the first thing that they're looking for in a crash is survivors. But he's saying this thing is really unusual. It's egg-shaped or teardrop-shaped. It's wedged into this ledge, this rock ledge. There's, uh, It's changing colors. He kind of describes it as if you're washing your car in the sun and you're using the soap, kind of the green purpley look like that, kind of the glint in the sun. So he says it's changing colors and there's liquid flowing out of it. And the liquid is changing colors and it's all over everything. And he goes up to it and he gets the liquid on himself. And I asked him if he had any sensation he doesn't remember, but and ended up later it uh, it destroyed his camouflage and also took all the hair off his arms, oh, you know, wow. where, where it touched him. So he's up and he's looking at this thing and he says, it looks like artwork. It doesn't look like it's, you know, hand, it looks handmade almost. It, it doesn't look like you would think a uh, production, something in production would look like, and it's changing colors and there's a loud, like hum, a, a low hum, like you said, like a guitar amp humming. And there's a recessed like door, and there's an arm hanging out of it, and he, and the arm has four four fingers. Oh my! And uh, so he can feel, you know, he's totally freaked out, totally freaked out, and you know wants to run, but he has to stay there. And the sergeants are yelling at him to get down, and he felt at that moment that he was getting like a message, you know, like um, there was distress. He thinks that the the being was dying. And so that was only the beginning of it because when he gets up, there's all of a sudden there's a, a group of uh, several people in black camouflage, Americans. He thinks for some reason, he thinks they're the uh, Department of Energy, uh, like a private branch or something, independent branch off of them. I don't know why he thinks that. With automatic weapons, they shackled him. They uh, flew him out of there. I don't, he doesn't know what happened to the two sergeants. The only ones that witnessed it, they threatened him. They said, they're going to, we're going to end you. And, you know, they, you didn't see anything. What were you doing there? Why, why were you, you disobeying orders? Why were you there? And, you know, and they were just hassling him for hours and hours and hours. And, uh, you know, he eventually, uh, he, he told, you know, they said, you better never talk about this. We'll end this. He, when he got shipped back to the States, uh, right after that, he never went back to the base. He never knew what happened to anyone else. Um, he got shipped back to the United States, and uh, he decided he was going to talk about it. And he basically got booted out with a uh, less than honorable discharge. And so uh, a mutual friend said, hey, David Grush came out. This is the time to get this guy to talk about this. And I had known about him for about three years, and he said he wasn't interested in talking. So this guy named Jay Hall out there in the UFO world, he really pushed him to like, you should really talk about it. This is the timing is now you should talk about this again. So I went up, uh, well, first of all, we connected. I had a phone call, long conversation with him. And I knew right away, this guy is highly intelligent. He's not, you know, he, he really is very well read, knows his history and everything else. He's a really interesting guy. So, Drove up, met with him, had dinner, um, and by the end, time of the end of the dinner, he basically said that he trusted me, and he said, I'll do your show for you. So here I am all this time, and I'm, I'm thinking, uh, we planned the show uh, to record um, 
yesterday, which was September 3rd. So this was like in August or July or something like that. And everybody's, I told people that he was coming up on the show and they're all like, well, why, why, has, why does it have to be so late? He has a, a work schedule that he just knew that he, he couldn't get away. So uh, leading up to this, I'm thinking the whole entire time he's ready to speak because of David Grush. So when I was in Washington, D.C. at the hearing and stuff, I sent him, you know, information and all that. So I come and I sit down with him face to face yesterday. And I said to him, people are going to want to know why is why do you feel this is the time to do it? And he looks right at me because because you asked me to. He said, I don't want to be he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to really do the interview again. He's not looking for any money. He does all he wants to do is forget about the whole situation. When I asked him to go over, I didn't realize this until I was actually face to face interviewing with him that it was painful for him. It was really a traumatic situation. He had PTSD for sure from it uh, because of the way he was handled afterwards, mostly. But the whole thing, you know, it was a whole paradigm shift for him to think, you know, what the heck is going on here? Uh, so he basically was really uptight during the interview and he wouldn't relax. And at first I was getting one and two word answers and he and I would talk for two or three hours at a time. He, he can talk, but he was not talking. And he referred to the old, he said, well, if people want to know that they can watch the video. I don't want to retell it again. And so I try to get I did get some bits and pieces out of him. I was at the time when I was interviewing him, I was extremely disappointed and I wanted to just say, well, why am I here? You know, why did I just drive five hours to get here? And why am I, why are we talking if you're not going to talk about the incident type of thing? But I did get some information out of him. I got him to talk a bit. And when I was all, when it was all said and done, I was disappointed until I watched it. And then uh, I watched it to do some editing. And then I realized by looking at him how painful it was. And I felt bad. I felt like he will probably never talk about it again. He's not looking for any notoriety at all. As a matter of fact, people contact him from all over the world. And he just, he doesn't blame them for reaching out to him, but he doesn't want to talk to them about it. And it's it's sad that it just took, you know, the whole situation until I realized that he didn't want to talk about it at all. And all he wants to do is forget about it. I mean, this ruined his life. This oh, ruined, yeah. This ruined his pension. Because right now he's, he has these medical conditions and he's because he had a less than honorable discharge, he's not going to get any, you know, veterans benefits at all. Nothing. No kidding. So, I mean, and the, yeah. and yet that encounter sounds so eerily similar to the Falcon Lake incident with Stefan Mikulik, you know, up here oh, yes. in Canada yeah. with the with yeah. the injuries that happened, and 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 from what he saw from seeing the arm with the with the three fingers and opposable thumb. Yeah, I'm not sure if it had. Some people have said they've seen the four fingers, but the the hand folds in the middle, like they don't need the opposable thumb. So, I mean, that's a that's another weird thing that I've heard. He didn't say that, 
but other people have. Right. But there was another Marine that came forward recently um, that talks about a very, very similar situation. He and I listened to his interview. And during the interview, he said, yeah, there's some guy in Peru that a very similar thing happened to. So he knew about uh, Jonathan's situation. Right. But um, his was different because he thinks his was reversed. What he saw was reverse engineered craft that was American made. I don't know why he thought that in particular, but. Well, but anyway, it's, it's a it's a great story. I think it's one, you know, that the timing is right for it to be talked about. You know, I'm glad that he came forward and I was kind of shocked that the only reason he was doing it is because I was asking him to. He didn't really want to do it. Well, kudos to you for getting that that incredible piece of information. I mean, yeah. I mean, getting people to talk when they are so emotionally traumatized mm. by this event. I mean, listening to it again after you have have interviewed him, but when you listen to it again, what did you learn? Well, basically what I've said that it was it was really really hard for him and he's basically had you know, the conversation, he doesn't want to have the conversation again. And one of the things I learned that he's never talked to a single friend about it. He will not talk about it to anyone. Now, I didn't ask him if he talked to his girlfriend about it or not. But, uh, you know, he doesn't talk to family or friends about the situation. So he's held it inside. You know, he's he's dealt with it and he's had terrible nightmares over the years, still has them. You know, and so I do feel, I really feel for the guy. Oh, man. Why does he not want to talk about it? Is it that just that it, it's so emotionally unsettling? Or yeah. is he tired of not being believed? No, he doesn't care. He could give a, a heck if people believe it or not. He doesn't care anything about that. You know, he's he knows it happened, and that's good enough for him, and he doesn't really want to talk about it because only because of the, that you can see, obviously see it's painful for him. And that's but, it. But going to somebody like Tim Burchette and becoming a whistleblower on this, it might get him some help. Well, you know, I've talked to him a little bit about that. John Burroughs from the Rendlesham Force, yeah. you know, actually sued the government and got money for his medical, you know, issues. But since he's not, uh, an honorably discharged veteran, they probably won't even look at the situation. And uh, he does not, whether you like it or not, he does not trust the government. He feels like the government did him wrong and he does not trust them. Because I mentioned, I, I said, you could, we could go through this, through the whistleblower route and you have everything he's vetted, you know? So it's, uh, he was where he was when he said he was there and all that. So he has absolutely no interest in contacting anyone in the government. Uh, I had a couple of uh, journalists contact me that wanted to write articles and put it out at the same time as the interview goes out. And he had absolutely no interest. He said that with Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means? Beach day. 
As a TIC2 inhibitor, Satic2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Satic2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic2, Decravacitinib, is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So TIC2 inhibits TIC2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if SOTYC2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. Media just twists things, and he said, no, I'm not. I will not talk to anyone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have people are going to hear this, this story. Um, people haven't heard it before. You know, maybe they'll look into it or whatever. Um, but I don't think we'll ever hear from him again. I think that's it. And those are the stories we need when we talk about whistleblowers, when we talk about uh, even anecdotal stories. This is a credible guy who signed his name on the line to defend his country, has this incident, gets dishonorably discharged. Well, it's less than honorable, not dishonorably. But it's, it's different. It's not like he did anything like dishonorable and had, you know, I mean, anything... But it was called less than honorable, is what it's called. Just to be clear about that. So to be clear, just for my own mind again, just because I want to make sure I heard this right, he got a less than honorable discharge because of this incident. Well, there were things that because he wouldn't stop talking about it. Now he said he didn't want to go there publicly. He would tell me, you know, offline. So I can't repeat some of the things, but they. I can just tell you this. It seems like he was set up a number of uh, times and uh, he was just going through a living hell. So that's how that all came about because he said he just refused not to talk about it to, uh, you know, fellow military members. Oh my goodness, man. My goodness. You know, when he felt safe, because he didn't feel safe when he was in Peru, when he was shackled and when he was brought to some base, he doesn't even know where he was brought. And uh, there were nine hours of interrogation. And he didn't know. They kept saying, we'll do you. You know, we'll just 
fly you out in the jungle and push you out. You know, uh, if you are, you know, you can't talk about this. He said they were, they were growling and, you know, they were cussing and, you know, I mean, just, he said they never laid a hand on him, but it was all, you know, like interrogating. And so that once he came back to the States, he didn't feel that threat anymore. So he started talking about it to fellow servicemen. My goodness. It would be great to have him. And he's never sat down with, with Chris Mellon or Lou Elizondo or anybody. He has no interest in the UFO world. He is, he does. He had his incident. He says, I don't even know what it was. I can't say it was a UFO. I don't know what it was, but he says, uh, that he has absolutely no interest in talking to anybody in the UFO world talking. He doesn't even know who Chris Mellon or Lou Elizondo is. He doesn't, he doesn't care about them. He had his incident. Now he wants to move on. So okay. he's, you know, to me, it just gives it more credibility that he's not looking for anything. Just, you know, he told his story because I asked him to, and I had gained his trust and, you know, I was very interested in that. He and I would talk for two or three hours and we'd talk about his incident for five minutes out of that whole time. You know, he didn't talk about it much at all. And he's an interesting yeah. guy. That's too bad. And, and it leaves you with so many questions that how many more military members have inadvertently been put in this situation that we don't know of? You know, right. how, how many have, me, have taken their own lives because they can't handle the stress, you know? Right. Yeah, he thought about it. He, he thought suicidal. You know, he, he had that happen. You know, he wow. felt that. So, but he really, uh, you know, you, you think about it, uh, the people who have had these type of situations, like you mentioned, and, you know, how many are still, like, holding it to themselves? Who knows? Oh, I hear you, Martin. You know what, Martin? It is hard to believe that this two hours with you tonight has absolutely flown on by. And, you know, we we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg of, of this entire UFO subject. But I want to say a, a giant thank you to you for coming on Spaced Out Radio for the first time. And I know it's late Excellent. where you are and everything, but, man, you know, you really hit a home run with us tonight. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Please do me a favor. Let my audience know where they can find Podcast UFO. Well, it's uh, Podcast UFO Live shows on YouTube, uh, where I stream there, and uh, also Facebook, but podcastufo.com. Uh, it's a simple name. You know, if you're thinking about you're looking for a podcast on UFOs, it's pretty easy to find. So that's it. Well, do us a favor continue to be one of the best out there because you literally are. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, we were able to connect on this forum. And if there's anything you need from us at Spaced Out Radio, let us know because we'd be uh, grateful to help you out and vice versa, I, I would assume. But thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thank you very much. That is Martin Willis, everybody. Podcast UFO. Dot com, real easy to find. Coming up next in hour number three, we have Steve Stockton from Among the Missing with another strange tale to kick off the final hour. Then right after that, little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit, joins us for the UFO report. 
Spaced Out Radio continues with hour number three next. Stay tuned. Martin, thank you so much, my man. Thank you. It was very enjoyable. I really, really had a lot of fun. You have great questions. Thank you. Which leads me to say that I'd love to have you on my show. I would be more than honored to come on your show anytime. You just let me know. You bet. And you have Tim. Tim is helping you out. He's a great guy. Yeah, Tim Senor. Yeah, he, yeah. We, we did. You know what? Uh, ask him one day about filming up here. Oh, no, I had him on my show. Oh, I know, but when did you have him on? Oh, this is something else? Yeah. Oh, good. Ask him what he saw. <laughs> All right, I can't wait. All right. Martin, take care. Thank you. All right. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks a lot. You take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye Martin, now. Will- Martin Willis, everybody. That was awesome. That was just awesome. What a great guy, and I cannot wait to do it again with him. Really can't wait. I'm going to take a quick break here. Uh, you all stay tuned. I got a ton of uh, show left for you guys. So, hey, I'm wide awake. I'm pumped up. I hope you are too. So glad to be back after a week off. And uh, we'll talk to you in just a couple of minutes. Be right back.
right. Little TV Seanors looking good in the background. You guys are all here. And I want to remind all of you that you can become a space traveler. We have the Space Travelers Club open right now. We got 17 people. You know, we just opened it about a week, well, a week before I went on holidays. But we got 17 people in there. And I love them all. It's a good way to support what we do on this show. Who do we got? Let's. We have Mennonite Abe. We got Paramarv. We got Science Bob. Louie. That's Forrest Louie. Jeremy Jones. Pam Harris. T-Bone. We have Susie B. Paul Christensen. Lord William. Terry Brown. Uh, MCCXO. I forget who that is. Uh, and Mr. Cowley. Mark Hayes, Ozzy Ange, Lynn McKenzie. Why don't you join us? Oh, and Simon's on there too. Simon's on there too. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. I am the man behind the woo. How are you? Hey, want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio's TalkStream Live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club Tractor. Tractor is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is that time of the night where we bring in our good friend Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another high strange story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. In 1998, five women in a cult led by Carlos Castaneda reported missing in Los Angeles. Castaneda was a famous writer who had unconventional beliefs about Native American knowledge. He was well known for his best-selling books and his tendency to keep to himself in the 1970s and 1980s. In 1973, he established the Tensegrity Movement, based on shamanic secrets, and became immensely popular, leading to various workshops, seminars, and educational videos. One unique aspect of this movement was a group of secretive women known as, quote, the witches, end quote, that Castaneda kept close to him. The witches in Castaneda's mystique were shrouded in mystery, used aliases, and avoided photography. They practiced shamanic mysticism, 
including vision quests and communicating with animals, and often used peyote in their rituals. Little was known about their purpose or numbers. Castaneda died of liver cancer in 1998, and five witches, Florinda Donner Grau, Tashia Abelar, Amelia Marquez, Kylie Lindhall, and Patricia Lee Parton completely vanished. The only clue found at the time was Parton's vehicle, which had been abandoned at Death Valley's Panamint Dunes. In 2003, hikers found a desiccated corpse, half buried in the sand, wearing shredded clothes. When the remains were finally adequately analyzed, they were found to be those of Patricia Lee Parton, although the cause of death nor why she'd been out in such a remote area of Death Valley could not be determined. No other remains of the other women have ever been found, and it's proposed that they took their own lives. Some of Castaneda's witches were allegedly tasked with finding locations in Death Valley, such as caves and abandoned mines, that could be used as suitable sites. One of these sites was located near where Parton was found. So, did all these women check out in the wastelands of Death Valley, or are the others still alive, as some believe? There are no answers, and it remains a mystery. Then, in July of 2013, Ryan Singleton, a 24-year-old former model and aspiring actor from Atlanta, Georgia, went on a short vacation to Los Angeles. During his trip, he rented a car and drove to Las Vegas. On July 9th, Ryan left Las Vegas to return to Los Angeles, but his car broke down near the small town of Baker in the harsh Mojave Desert. He abandoned his car and walked towards the town, where he was allegedly picked up by a highway patrolman who gave him a ride. Once in town, Ryan called his friend from a gas station and waited for a ride. However, when his friend arrived, Ryan was nowhere to be found. Despite immediate efforts to locate him, Ryan remained missing and was not found until 74 days later, when his body was discovered in the desert only two miles from the gas station. Interestingly, the area where the body was found had already been thoroughly searched. Authorities were perplexed when it was discovered that the body was missing most of its internal organs, which they attributed to scavenger activity, despite the rest of the body being relatively intact. The cause of death remained unknown, and authorities were slow to provide additional information, leaving Ryan's family in the dark about the circumstances surrounding his death. There's been widespread speculation that Ryan was the victim of foul play. The missing organs from his body have raised suspicions about the official explanation of scavenger activity. Some have suggested that illegal organ trafficking or the actions of a sadistic serial killer may be responsible for those missing organs. However, the proper explanation for this bizarre detail and the overall circumstances surrounding Ryan's death remain unexplained. The case remains unclear with numerous unanswered questions and a general lack of clarity. Why would he wander away from the safety of the gas station when he knew his friend was on his way to pick him up? And how could he have gotten lost and died just two miles away? If nefarious individuals targeted him, then what was their motive? And what about those missing organs? Was that done intentionally? Or was it the work of scavengers, as authorities seem to think, or at least want us to believe? And we say thank you to Steve Stockton for another great story tonight. You can find more just like that by going to youtube.com forward slash among the missing and listen to as many as you want for free. Yeah, Steve does a great job. He's always updating his channel. All right. From the mysterious to the mind bending, it is time once again for the UFO report. Here's little Timmy Senor. 
Nobody's gonna know. They're gonna know. Bad Tim, it's good to have you back. It's nice to be back on the air with you, my man. How you been doing? You might want to take your microphone off mute. I know we're, you're a little rusty. It's been a couple weeks. Is it my end? No, it's not my end. It's your end, Tim. Showing that your mic is on mute. Kind of hard to... Do the old uh, UFO report when your microphone ain't working, buddy. You might have to figure that part out. We don't gotcha. We don't gotcha. Where's that little button you usually hit on the left? You're making for some great radio right now, man. Great radio. Hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But you know what? There's always a solution. And that's going back to old school mechanics here. So maybe that's what we got to do. Maybe that's what we got to do. Well, while we wait for Tim to maybe reboot his computer, I want to tell you, I had a good vacation. I did. I went down to Whistler in British Columbia for three days. We'll wait for Tim to get back on. All right. I went down to Whistler for three days, hung out there, had some great food. You know what I got addicted to over the holidays? And and I'm serious. If you've never tried these out, if you've never tried these out, you got to try them out. Have you ever been in an escape room? They've been around for about five, ten years where you go into this room and you got to solve all these puzzles and locks. And With Sotic 2 for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, you could show off your skin again. And you know what that means. Beach day. As a Tic 2 inhibitor, Sotic 2 is the only once daily pill of its kind for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Ask your dermatologist about Sotic 2 today and learn more at SoClearlyYou.com. That's SoClearlyYou.com. Sotic 2 Decravacitinib is a prescription treatment for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who may benefit from systemic therapy or phototherapy. Don't take if you're allergic to Sotic 2. Serious reactions can occur. Before treatment, get checked for infections, including tuberculosis. Sotic 2 can lower your ability to fight infections. Don't start if you have one. Serious infections, cancers including lymphoma, muscle problems, and changes in certain labs have occurred. Tell your doctor if you have a history of these events, or if you have an infection or symptoms like fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you have history of hepatitis B or C, liver or kidney problems, high triglycerides, or had a vaccine or plan to. So Tick 2 inhibits Tick 2, which is part of the Jack family. People 50 and older with heart disease risk factors who use a Jack inhibitor are at increased risk for certain side effects, sometimes fatal. It's unknown if So Tick 2 has the same risks as Jack inhibitors. Call 1-888-SOTYKTU to learn more. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. 
Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. Find stuff and codes in order to to get yourself uh, set up and get yourself out of the building. I got addicted to those. They have them in Whistler. We did like three of them over the holiday. And we we just barely passed the one in Whistler. We ju- we needed like one more minute over the timeline that they that they brought to us. We, I don't know. Oh, there you are. We got Is you. It can you hear me? I can hear you fine. All right, we got you. But I was just explaining my <laughs> holiday. We got addicted to these escape rooms. Okay. Have you ever done an escape room? No, no, no. No way. That would be like my ultimate fear. I don't like small spaces and uh, I would go into panic mode. I'd start, yeah, chewing off my own foot. Oh, yeah. This one, this one that we did in Whistler, you start off handcuffed and you have to find the keys to the handcuffs to undo your handcuffs and then make your way through and and um it was pretty insane pretty insane you know because the puzzles that you have to solve you know they're right in front of you and you can't see them and the codes like they they allow you for a couple of hints right and yeah we we solved the one in whistler with one extra minute so it was a 45-minute timeline. We passed it in 46. And then in my we went and visited my dad for a little while because my I hadn't seen my dad uh, very much since my mother passed away. And so we went we went and spent some time with him, and and he he never did them. But they've got like this escape room thing th- there as well. We did two of them in one night. And we solved them both, solved them both, but man, they're such a rush. They are such yeah, a rush. And so I assume if it doesn't happen, then the room fills up with water or something like that. Pretty much. You have to have a, a lot of faith also in the person that's running that room. Well, they I'm don't lock you it's in. It's not just like some random address. You don't just show up to like some windy you know, last house on the left sort of thing. No, no, no. They, they don't lock you in. They just okay. close the door. They can't legally lock you in. Right. God, <laughs> some of them I'd probably be there forever, you know, but it's pretty Did you cool. sign a waiver? No, the, there is no waivers to sign. Oh, okay. You know, you have to do them electronically You're now. Crazy. You're crazy. Oh, it's all electronic. That's right. Oh my gosh, this guy. No way. No way would I ever do that. 
So speaking of which, I'm getting a lot of people asking, when's little Timmy Senor coming back up north? Oh, man, I can't wait. I cannot wait to get Greenlit to come back up there. That is going to be so much fun. You guys are great to hang out. I mean, Canadians, I'd always heard rumors, you know, and I kind of hung out with a few growing up. But, boy, what a warm welcome from everybody. And the funny thing I always say about Canadians is they start off conversations by apologizing. They're like, sorry, can I get your order when you roll up? You know, it's like they start off everything with a sorry. How can you go wrong with that? But mm. we had a lot of fun when we were out there. You're the camera crew had craving a Craving another so. ice cap, aren't you? Can't live without it. I've been trying to make them here at home. It's just not the same thing. I, I don't have the, the touch. Whatever it is they're doing up there is magic. I think they're using Canadian snow. Probably. Maybe. I'm not sure. Probably. There's a lot of UFO stuff going on right now and you know i know it's not i don't see it on your list here uh but arrow recently brought out their own website yeah. have you had a chance to look at that um, I've had kind of uh, a brief understanding of what's going on there but no i didn't list it simply because I wasn't well-informed enough, but well, please, um, I'd love to get your take on what's going on. You well, can brief me. Let's take a look at it together. Shall we? Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So arrow it's uh, how convenient it's arrow.mil for military. Okay. So if you want to check it on out and it's the all domain anomaly resolution office, and it starts off with, the director's message from Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who never finds anything. He's the he's the new uh, the 2023 version of Seth Stoshak from the NASA SETI group. Their mission: minimize technical and intelligence surprise by synchronizing scientific intelligence and operational detection, identification, attribution and mitigation of unidentified anomalous phenomena in the vicinity of national security areas. So never mind over your house or our listeners' houses, Tim. It's only over military installations and sensitive areas. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that they've been clear since the beginning that they're not interested in the public's information they're interested in the military and anything that they can corroborate that way. Um, they're, I mean, in their credit, they do have to narrow it down in some way, shape, or form. But it's very clear by this mission statement that uh, the public, and by no means, is included in their information gathering. And I can only assume, nor will they be, uh, you know, given all of the information that they collect. Let's go to their vision page. Unidentified anomalous phenomena are effectively and efficiently detected, tracked, analyzed, and managed by way of normalized DOD, intelligence community, and civil business practices by adherence to the highest scientific and intelligence tradecraft standards and with the greatest transparency and shared awareness. Wow. Whoever wrote that vision statement really nailed it that uh, they don't know what the hell they're looking for. 
You couldn't have put it better. Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, that's a very general statement. It doesn't seem like they know how they're going to collect data whatsoever. So then they go on to define what UAP means. Unidentified anomalous phenomena, in brackets UAP, means A, airborne objects that are not immediately identifiable, B, transmedium objects or devices, C, and submerged objects or devices that are not immediately identifiable and that display behavior or performance characteristics, suggesting that the objects or devices may be related to the objects or devices described in subparagraph A or B. The DOD considers UAP as sources of anomalous detections in one or more domain, i.e. airborne, seaborne, spaceborne, and or transmedium that are not yet attributable to known actors and that demonstrate behaviors that are not readily understood by sensors or observers. Anomalous detections include, but are not limited to, phenomena that demonstrate apparent capabilities or material that exceed known performance envelopes. A UAP may consist of one or more unidentified anomalous objects and may persist over an extended period of time. What's your thoughts, Tim? They have it uh, pretty well covered. I mean, that does cover the gamut. Um, it seems to even cover, you know, what we would call UFO in there, in that in that determination. Um, well, but, um, you know, I'm skeptical to think that that's what they're thinking. When they think UAP, you and I both know traditionally it means something man-made. And I love that, uh, you know, you brought that up to Martin earlier. And by the way, Martin Willis uh, discovered me, you know, uh, he had heard me on a radio show and decided me to put to put me on a podcast. It was the first time I'd ever been on camera talking about my family's uh, experience. And so Martin Willis is a treasure in the community. We are so lucky to have oh, him yeah. on. And what a great guy. He's just such a, a nice guy, too. Fantastic, so, man. You couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you for that. Yeah. All yeah, right. no, well done. Do we want to know what the frequently asked questions are? Indeed. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. How can I share information with Arrow or report a UAP? In bold lettering, military personnel should report through their command or service in accordance with uh, Gen, uh, Gen Admin, Joint Staff, J3, Washington, D.C., Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Reporting and Material Disposition. Civilian pilots are encouraged to promptly report UAP sightings to air traffic control. Arrow receives UAP-related pilot reports, otherwise known as PIREPs, from the Federal Aviation Administration. General public, we will announce when a reporting mechanism is available for others to use. Tim, who could that be? Oh, I don't say Enigma, please. I think you're thinking Enigma Labs, aren't you? I am totally thinking Enigma Labs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, their, their timing is, is just impeccable. Mm-hmm. What are the, the leading explanations to account for UAP reports? 
No single explanation addresses the majority of UAP reports. We are collecting as much data as possible, following the data where it leads, and sharing our findings whenever possible. Where are you sharing them to, Mr. Arrow? Uh, Anyways, we will not rush to conclusions with our analysis. In many cases, observed phenomena are classified as unidentified simply because sensors were not able to collect enough information to make a positive attribution. Now, common objects causes frequently reported as UAP include airborne clutter, commercial or scientific balloons, commercial or military craft, unmanned aerial vehicles, example, drones, space launches, satellites, or celestial objects. What's missing there? everything else okay Um, they just yeah let me just say this for a second for anybody who is arguing with me or disagrees with me about uap the list is right there people in in black and white letters okay airborne clutter commercial or scientific balloons commercial or military aircraft Unmanned aerial vehicles, i.e. drones, space launches, satellites, or celestial objects, which would be like a meteorite. No aliens. There is nothing to do with UFOs. So when I sit here and, and, and tell you guys who are listening that UAP has nothing to do with UFOs, it is now official on the website, that this has nothing to do with UFOs. It has to do with... it's really disappointing, too. Pardon me? It's so disappointing that it's not listed in any way, shape, or form there. Just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it should be listed there. And, um, you know, it does kind of lead into our top story that I did bring to you from Chris Mellon. Absolutely. And we're going to get to that. When we return on Spaced Out Radio, Tim Senor, our resident Timbit, is here for the UFO report. Yeah, you can check it out for yourself. Go to arrow, A-A-R-O dot mil. You don't believe me that a UAP isn't a UFO? It's right there in the lettering. Spaced Out Radio continues with the final half hour next. Stay tuned. We will return and bring this show home. right there yeah it's right there yeah we've been saying that for a long time i mean it's been a while that we segregated them apart from the conversation once they started using uap you were like why are they using that i think it was about the same time we came up with that term disclosure for you know dollars Uh, (laughs) it's the same thing it is the same concept and it all started heating up around the same time Um... but uh, Mike Bothwell, Dave, do you need to stay a tier for a certain amount of time before we get our swag bag? Um, I'm going to be, because of my holiday, I got delayed on setting the mic. I'm going to be uh, collecting them and, and getting them all sorted out. So I'm hoping to have them out within the next uh, week or so. 
Um, it's going to be a little bit hectic for me this week because I have to get back into uh, my own work schedule as well. But I'm hoping to have them out by the end of this week or early next week. And everybody who is in those tiers is going to uh, be able to uh, uh, get their swag here very, very quickly. Very quickly. Sorry, Tim. No, no. I was going to say also, you had read out something I also wanted to bring up. How confusing is the reporting for military through the advice of Arrow? Right. Seems very, very hard to do it. They didn't make it simple, the channel you have to go through. Um, that must be frustrating for somebody that is in the military that wants to report, kind of like um, the whistleblower that... Uh, or witness rather that Martin was talking about right. how he was so frustrated and not even wanting to deal with it. This is exactly the kind of red tape that he didn't want to cope with. Well, and here's where it gets interesting. Has the department found any evidence of extraterrestrial technology? No. Examination of UAP sightings is ongoing. Arrow uses a rigorous scientific framework and data-driven approach to better understand UAP. We will follow the science wherever it leads. But remember what Kirkpatrick said, that he wasn't aggressively looking for any data or information. So unless a piece of evidence goes across that desk, he's not aware of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because he wants to be able to just look blankly into the camera and say that there's no evidence. Because unless it's literally delivered to the office, it's not going to happen. They're not looking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think uh, we, you know, Tim, we've been talking about it and talking about it over and over again. And more and more evidence just appears to exactly what we have been saying, that UAP are not UFOs. You're absolutely 100% right. And in the last part of the show, we're going to talk about the people that are talking about UFOs and how they're representing it and how the media is jumping on board right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking control of the narrative, by the way. Yes. You know, the same, the same way Arrow is turning a blind eye to evidence and they're going to come out with a report saying that there's nothing to UFO and there's, it's all about UAP, yeah. which we showed listed there that UAP exists. There's no arguing, you know, that they need to take the phenomenon aspect out of it because it's not a phenomenon. It may act strangely, for whatever reason, but it's not phenomenon that they're looking at with that UAP. You got that right. Because none, nothing in that list was phenomenal or represented the phenomenon that the audience is talking about when they say orbs of light, right. you know, that move oddly. You know, um, I just, you know, I just hate to sound like a broken record on it, you know, and I, I realize our regulars who, who tune in every night and listen in, uh, are are sick and tired of me talking about it. But you have to realize uh, to our audience that just because you're here every night, there are people listening in who may be listening in for the first time on radio, on our podcast, and everything. And 
we want to get that proper education out to the public. Okay. And this is the education that we have learned. It has nothing to do with, well, hey, we could be wrong. We could be completely wrong. But the evidence is showing that this is where it takes us. So if we sound repetitive on, about it, I apologize. But that's just where the information is taking us. Big thank you tonight to T-Bone, Lord William, Jan, Cat Chaser, W. Decker, Deb, Mike, my flock and surf chair for the super chats. And if you haven't yet sign up for the space travelers club, go on to Patreon. Our link is in the description of the show. third we're heading for home tonight on spaced out radio thank you so much for joining us my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do me the favor hit that subscribe button and don't forget you can download this show on any major podcast network as well so just go do that and uh, give us a little thumbs up when you do, if you don't mind. We'd appreciate that. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us and become a space traveler on Patreon. Tim Senor is here with the UFO report, and we're starting off with another impactful uh, op-ed from Chris Mellon, the former Assistant Secretary of Defense and a man who's really been pushing the whole UFO subject. Tim, what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, so just a few days ago, Chris Mellon released uh, a statement and it's uh, a pretty interesting topic. And rather than go through his words, I'd rather just kind of give you my takeaway and have you and I just kind of talk about that because it's absolutely what we were just discussing before. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. Ctmobile.com. Introducing Two Hoots, a bolder, hard iced tea made from sustainably sourced, real brewed tea and lemon flavor. Available in original hard iced tea, zero sugar hard iced tea, and half and half. Don't just give a hoot, give two. Learn more at twohootshardtea.com. 
Be wise, drink responsibly. All registered trademarks. Used under license by Two Hoots Hard Ice Tea, Chicago, Illinois. Two Hoots Zero Sugar Average Analysis for 12 fluid ounces. 100 calories, 14 grams carbs, 0 grams protein, 0 grams fat. The break. And so his topic is what's up with America's multi-billion dollar air defense systems. And he's asking for the responsibility of the national defense to be responsible for these UAP quote-unquote incursions. And instead of asking for more budgetary spending, looking into what it is, why don't we turn those cameras perhaps back on the military defense itself and uh, use the air defense systems that we have to look for these quote-unquote UAPs? And I think that that's massively important. Instead of uh, diverting more more spending towards it, why not use the current systems we have to look at this? Well, you know what? Chris Mellon has been a champion behind the scenes. Yes, he has ties to the alphabet agencies, and yes, he has the deepest ties of anybody to how the government works from the presidency on down regarding this this subject and many, many others. You know, do you see him, you know, feeling at, at, at this point that he's fighting an uphill battle? No, I think he's um, on a winning team, in fact. Um, I think that every time we hear him speak, it's just more wind in the sails. They're on a winning course for, quote-unquote, their version of disclosure. I do feel like um, they're getting success with every time we have a whistleblower hearing or Congress discussing it and taking this topic seriously. Every single time we see a new article in the USA Today or any publication that's taking it seriously, that's a win for Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo and that whole team that brought this um, quote-unquote threat narrative forward and bringing um, the national defense attention to this. Okay, so with this latest piece of writing, was there something in there that really, really grabbed you uh, and, and felt that you know Mellon is really still trumpeting a winning side considering the the amount of blowback that we've been getting the last few months from Arrow, from the, uh, you know, certain journalists like Ken Klippenstein on David Grush. You know, I mean, it's a tough time for anybody who wants to be a whistleblower. Potentially. But I see that the protection that was put in act will still be there. And so there are lawyers that are here to protect those people and stand up for their rights. And we just need to see that kind of take place. Um, and so we have to wait and see what happens with David Grush's case, because obviously we're kind of pending, um, you know, and there's been a lot of silence because um, we're waiting to see how that case is handled with, you know, they're forcing his silence temporarily here. Um, which I also think speaks massively to the credibility of his whole case. Um, so, again, I think this is a win. The fact that this is happening, this is all just evidence of a win if you're looking at the big picture. Um, and then we also know that Representative Burchette is launching a UAP caucus. And um, that's going to lead to the letter uh, to the Intelligence Community Inspector General about UAP retrieval programs. And so we know that that is happening as well. And so this is all part of the push that's moving forward. Um, and at this point, there's no turning back. I do see this version of disclosure happening. Well, let's let's talk about Tim Burchette, the 
the congressman who is really on top of the whole aspect of UFOs. He wants this. He's not letting it go. He's trying to find different angles after, you know, basically being told to shut up by people like U.S. Uh, Republican Representative Mike Turner, who just happens to live by Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, okay, and, you know, which is one of the most dominant Air Force bases in the United States, going back in history to where it is believed that the Roswell crash was originally taken to. Okay, so what's Burchette up to with setting up a UAP caucus? Your microphone's on mute. Thanks. And so recently, uh, Congressman Burchette launched the UAP caucus and led five of his colleagues on the caucus in a letter to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, Thomas A. Monaheim. And so the members asked for follow-up information regarding David Grush's testimony in the recent hearing on the UAP phenomenon. And so during the hearing uh, on July 26th in 2023, uh, the House Committee on, Overs uh, on Oversight and Accountability, Air Force veteran and former intelligence officer David Grush said he could not provide specific details regarding the UAP crash retrieval programs or UAP reverse programs, be, reverse engineering programs, because those details were classified. However, he testified that he would be able to provide those details later on. And so now we are going to see the repercussions of that. And so we're waiting for the results from um, those informations, that bit of information, those details being shared in a um, appropriate way so that they can move on to the next step. And so also we are considering the fact that um, Mike Turner visited recently, as you mentioned, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, that was pretty massive as well because we know that we had considered the possibility of Congress members being shown evidence firsthand. And so perhaps in this downtime, while we're waiting for some of the information that Grush brought forward to be verified, we're also seeing some more aggressive Congress people actually take it upon themselves to take the advantage that Congress has right now with this open door policy and do uh, a, a literal church committee. Is that what it's called, I believe, where they're able to go um, on location and view evidence firsthand to verify things that have been brought forward in Congress? You know, the one thing I love about Burchette is he's not giving up on anything right now. He is pushing. He knows he's getting backlash, even from within his own party. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He knows there's a story there. He knows there's information there. Okay? He knows that there is, you know, how can I put it? Technology and and a future of humanity within the grasps of the military-industrial complex that's not go only going to affect every American, but everybody on this planet. He sees it. I mean, he knows. And, and I love that about the guy. Now, do I think he, he's, he's pulling at strings here? I think he is. 
Okay, and what I mean by that is right now I think what he's had to do is take a step back and regroup after the the butt kicking he has taken by fellow Republicans in the Senate and Congress who are in high area military areas like Mike Turner, who just happens to be on the Defense Intelligence Committee as well, I believe, and as well as, you know, is very close to those who uh, run in his Ohio area, which is which are the base commanders of of Wright Patterson Air Force Base. I think that that Burchette is is putting up a good fight. He knows he's only in round three of a fifteen round boxing match. Okay, yeah, and yet he he continues to push the aspects even from different angles, like setting up this committee for crash retrievals, he wants to know. And I I really hope that eventually he's not shut up. I really, you know, I I really wonder about that. What's, what's your thoughts? I think that he is a strong force. And I think that he's just gathering more and more people uh, beside him moving this forward. And I also think that this is 100% because he not only believes that this has been going on that, you know, the public has been lied to on this topic, but I also believe that he thinks that there is something to the UFO topic. And I think after you've met someone like David Grush and heard what they have to say, and by the way, Martin Willis represented there that he personally met David Grush. And after Martin Willis has shaken his hand, looked into his eyes and felt that this is a responsible person to deliver information. I'm with Martin. If Martin's on board, I'm on board. And to be honest, I was on board before. But my point is simple that this is a very strong group of people that are coming forward right now. And at this point, it's not going to be turned around by anybody. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the whole thing, too. And, and you know what? The fact that he keeps pushing. And you know what? Sometimes, the you know... We expect so much from politicians because every decision they make usually affects our wallets, okay? We're really feeling it up here in Canada right now, but that's a whole different political situation, okay? But when it comes to fringe topics, they rarely, rarely get the public public, uh, insight that they want. You're okay. right. And now it's a bipartisan topic, right? Absolutely. And so th- I think that's the big new push. And the fact is, is that if you've had a conversation that's in the know, such as David Grush, I think perhaps you would have a little bit more motivation to get the truth out there. I think that could be a part of what we're seeing from Tim, not just as a, using it as a political platform. No, because there is, UFOs is not a p- political platform to raise your flag on. It's not a hill you want to die on, okay? But he is recognizing what all of us who listen to this type of programming understand, that there is information out there that we... 100%. That, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. And he's just following the smoke. And he's seeing the flames. I know it's cliche, but that's the truth of the matter here. You know, and like I said, you don't have to like his politics. You don't like have to like what he stands for on other issues. But when it comes to UFOs, 
We need him. He is championing, championing, pardon me, other individuals, like you said, bipartisan individuals who are now opening up to this topic and some very loud mouthpieces like Matt Gates, okay, love him or hate him, like AOC, love her or hate her, okay? And that's what gets the ball rolling, okay? We may be at the top of the hill starting a snowball down the hill, but that snowball is starting to gain momentum. Right. And I believe a lot of these people have been read in on high-level information, you know, and consider now that even the Black Vault has released new FOIA information that the U.S. Navy is confirming that they had visuals of near misses with UAP, although they all remain classified, you know, but the stuff that isn't classified to Congress is making its way to them. And so if they're getting these reports and they're talking to whistleblowers and witnesses, they're going to start realizing that this is a topic that can't be ignored. Right. And I feel like that's the validity. And you bring up the fact that media is also changing times. Let's consider for the fact that just since Thursday, there's been major news, uh, all different, but it's all surrounding the UFO topic. And it's making not just the headlines, but front pages of even the USA Today, USA Today, um, where it talking about Avi Loeb and his discoveries Um and then, um, you know, bringing up the fact that is it of interstellar origin or other? And then another article brought up by them was pretty deep. And it goes in to talk about the history. And this is on the front page of the USA Today. Talk of UFOs zooms into the mainstream. And it's got a photograph of Ralph Blumenthal on the front. And it goes into... Uh, what they call a storied 45 years of him talking about this. And it goes also into a very nice full page on the next, on page two, about intelligence officials, how they want to go public. UFO lore, how it extends back decades, fallout from the July hearing, and how astrophysicists caution hasty conclusions of aliens, Right, because we know that recently some of the bigger names have come forward to put, uh, you know, their thoughts forward. But in this, they quote Semivan, and so consider that as being their source. And so they're asking Blumenthal for where the threshold is and where they need to put their belief system. And I think it's great that they're asking these questions and it's making it to the front pages of our newspapers, and it's not being laughed at, and there isn't necessarily the uh, UFO music going on in the background and they're taking it seriously now. That's massive. Now, one of the interesting points that you brought up is one of the, as we got about four minutes to go here, Tim, one of the people who has been quite critical of the UFO story over the last few weeks has been representative Mike Turner. Okay. And we've mentioned his name a couple of times during this show. This is a gentleman who doesn't uh, believe that we need to continue with the UFO story. He's extremely pro-military. He, he, he's extremely involved in defense and intelligence committees. Uh, he believes that David Grush is a fraud. He believes that that the UFO story needs to go away, that we're wasting time and money. Yet... Here he is on a tour of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, 
It's a great point. It's a great point. And I think the fact is, is it takes something like this to change somebody's mind. And so we'll never know what he was shown there or what his response will be. But we know that he followed up on specifics that were given by David Grush because we know that this is one of the locations that was listed. And I think it's really that simple. And so perhaps he will share the information. I don't think he was the only one that went, but um, we know that uh, he was also there um, to discover what our adversaries potentially have, um, you know, and to discuss that. So it wasn't just that he's also interested in national security. So, um, but you bring up a great point because even though we know he, he is skeptical, um, perhaps his eyes were opened when he was brought there on location. Well, I don't know, but I mean, the big thing that uh, what we do know is that, you know, he hasn't been a fan of the UFO subject at all. He's not a friend of, of everything. He is a friend of what's going on at the Pentagon. And, you know, for him to, to take a shot at David Grush the way he did, uh, you know, basically calling him a pretty lame-ass whistleblower for a guy who's never seen anything, I, I thought that was quite I- insulting regarding that. Yeah, I think uh, personal shots, you know, might as well be ignored in this um, because it really doesn't hold any validity. Um, his opinion really doesn't matter. Um, he needs to just discuss the facts and be honest and transparent about the topic and, um, you know, keep his opinion out of it. And, you know, obviously there's a large potential that he is polarized to one side of this topic for whatever reason. And maybe he was, you know, asked to go to Wright Patterson and make sure that some of these things weren't there, if you know what I mean. Well, who knows? Let's try and sneak in one more here. I know we talked about it earlier with, uh, with Martin Willis. Okay. Calvin Parker, legendary UFO, uh, experiencer, alien abductee passes away this past weekend. That's right. Um, in point, uh, Moss point, Mississippi. And he was one of two men who claimed to have been abducted by aliens in Mississippi in 1973. And he has died following a life that was dictated by that alleged event. And he says that it completely changed his life. And he said back in 1922 that it's just a deal in life that happens and you don't have any, any control over it. Maybe if I was a little older, I, will, I would have handled it better, but I wasn't and I didn't. And he seemed like a really simple and really cool guy. And it would have been really cool to have met him. I know Martin was one of those people. Martin Willis was able to do an interview with him. But Parker, who was 19 at the time of his experience, said that he and his co-worker, Charles Hickson, were fishing from a pier in Pascagoula River near Pascagoula on the night of October 11, 1973, when he noticed a blue light reflecting off the water. And he said at first he thought it was coming from law enforcement officers coming to tell them to leave the property. But then he looked up and saw that it was a craft, and he estimated about 80 feet long with blinding light coming from it. And he said it was hovering and hissing sound was coming from it. 
and he described it being kind of football shaped. Later, Parker said that this changed his life forever. Well, he's got the answers now. God rest Calvin Parker. Thank you, Tim, for a great UFO report. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everyone listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, Twitter, and the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. There's what you find on Instagram. <laughs> and who you find worth sharing with. Dude, I'm dying right now. This is so us. On Instagram, sharing something small can start something big. 